everyone. It's John Marbley. This is not an apology. You still got a full episode coming. I know every time you hear my voice at the beginning, it's bad news. But this time, I want to tantalize you and let you know that you should stay tuned to the very end of the episode. Or if you don't like the show, just skip to the end and uh, listen, because we got a little musical treat uh, that uh, one of our listeners and a friend of Russ uh, has uh, supplied us with. So uh, that being said, enjoy the show. Hello, Rise guys, Rise gals. Hi to you, too. How's it going? My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this is this week's installment of Mad About, Mad About You. We are a weekly Mad About You recap podcast. We go week by week. We talk about every episode. We talk about some other things. It's a joy, right? John, am I missing anything about what we do all the time? Uh, No, that's it. That's it. That's everything. Listen, if you haven't listened... Listen to this episode, and then you'll understand uh, what we do. Exactly what I'm talking about. Boy, if you turn this off at some point, now I'm wondering what what that point will be. <laughs> it was probably right now. <laughs> you just be like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, so long. <laughs> Thanks for trying. <laughs> What did we watch? We watched season one, episode 13 of Mad About You. That's correct. It aired on January 13th, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and it was called Togetherness. Called Togetherness. Isn't that nice? Yeah, just like uh, the show. Which show is that? The HBO show by those brothers. Oh, Duplass, right. the Duplass I, brothers. The Duplass brothers. I think that was called Togetherness, wasn't it? It was, definitely. Yeah, I was a big yeah. fan. Were you? Of course. Absolutely. I saw, I saw a few episodes. I liked what I saw. I should have watched more because that show got canceled. Wow. None of your words didn't match your tone at all. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm deceptive. Oh, I saw some of that show. I uh, liked what I saw. Wish I watched some more. Favorite thing. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned uh, my um, my uh, my family. They uh, they love me. <laughs> that really fooled me. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the bit in that moment. You forgot the bit. And then in my head, I thought I was like, "Oh, he's gonna be like my family died joke or something." Which I was... <laughs> no, no, no twist. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, the TV guy description. I would say this week's a little wordy. Oh, yeah. another twist. Yeah, a little wow. twist here. A little wordy. Well, the wonders ever cease. Yes. So, uh, What do they have to say? If you need to go to the bathroom or get a cup of coffee or anything, <laughs> listeners, I advise you do it now. <laughs> so you don't miss any of this uh, TV guy description. <laughs> oh, man. Jamie hires Paul to make a film for her client. The result? Too much togetherness. Boo. Don't you think Jamie hires Paul to make a film for her client is plenty? Period. The end. Right. That is enough. Especially when, what is there, a colon in that second sentence? There's a colon and there's the title of the episode. Yeah, it's too much. It's too on the nose. No way. They might as well have had a third sentence in which they just said, these two characters are mad about each other. Yeah, right. And also (laughs) mad about you. Very. That is correct. Yeah, so take that, TV Guide. Yeah, sticking it to you. Boom. Both barrels. I wonder if they got a new writer for that one. <laughs> like, like it, well, the other guy was killing it so hard they promoted him. 
and this new guy's just finding his like rhythm still, you know? Yeah. That that I love. And the old guy's at the grocery store this week back then and he you know, he picks up the TV guy just out of curiosity to look at the TV description and he sees the bad about you description. He's like, Oh my gosh. I love that we're going into the backstory <laughs> of the people who write the TV guys. We're creating a narrative for these people. Well, I'm grateful. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I gotta talk to Peter Monday. Oh, uh, listen, Peter, we're happy to have you on board. Yeah, you're doing but, great, uh, but uh, we got to talk. Yeah, readers don't watch he, TV, okay? He, <laughs> he takes him out to lunch. He's like, let me show you the ropes around here. <laughs> yeah, everything well, this guy Peter, does is concise. Peter, Peter, what's on your sandwich? <laughs> oh, well, there's a, a dab of mayonnaise and a smear of mustard. There's some... Toppings. Let me stop turkey. you right there. Toppings. <laughs> uh, well, we've got fresh iceberg no, lettuce. No, just toppings. Uh, you got a sandwich with toppings. Trick question. You got a sandwich, <laughs> period. <laughs> <laughs> what if, John, oh, man, the TV Guide segment has reliably been one of our shortest segments on this show. If we start, <laughs> if we start to blow out the mythology of TV Guide... <laughs> We're going to hit five hours in three months. No, you're right. But it, <laughs> quite honestly, it's this guy's fault. <laughs> it's true. We so, can't be held responsible. Yeah. <laughs> you think I want to talk about it this long? We go where the stories it's, are. It's our job to bring this to you. <laughs> uh, what, oh, what else? Uh, what was on TV that night? I'm going to throw another twist oh, your way. Okay. I'm going to zag on you, as it were. Okay, great. We're going to handle this. Towards the end of the episode. We're going to talk about the TV towards the end of the episode. Oh, I think I know why. Okay. 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 Are you cool with that? Uh-huh. Because I'm making an executive decision, so you have to be. Okay. Great. Okay. Bear with us. Uh, listeners, rise guys, rise gals, are you intrigued? Yeah. Are you excited? Are you mad? Yeah. Are you mad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is now point two in which they turn off the episode. It is like, no. Good thing we don't so, have a live feed of uh, listenership. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll periscope one day and just get a whole bunch of thumbs down. It would spiral so hard. Like, if I saw one leave, I'd talk about it, and then eventually everyone would just start leaving, and then it would get, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. If I saw one, one yeah, I can't deal with, with criticism. No. I'd see one leave, and it would just be like, I'm sorry. Okay, forget it. No, uh, here's, <laughs> here's, here's what happened. Like me more, please. Uh, yeah, start <laughs> tweeting at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to that end, John... Do you want to talk about the news or do you want to talk about the news after the episode and uh, really throw a monkey wrench into everything? Uh, I'm going to zig on you and talk about the news on the next episode. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) If only. No, no, no. Go ahead. January 7, 1993. Indictments cite corruption in private sanitation service. Now, granted, this is a Newark story, but, you know, we've been talking a lot on and off about certain uh, organized ventures that may or may not be criminal, you know, by certain quote unquote families that exist in the New York area around this time. Quote exist. Now, (laughs) you know, I don't want to taint uh, the sanitation industry any more than it already is. No. However... The indictment <laughs> charges Lucchesi members and associates of Mr. Zacchino with racketeering in connection with contracts to provide maintenance, window cleaning, and security services starting in 1983. 
All the defendants, except Mr. Perna and Mrs. Aquino, who are in jail on other charges, were arrested today by the FBI. That's pretty glaring. Right? Listen, it's not a very interesting story, but it was very satisfying (laughs) for me to see in print the connection. You know, because when I grew up, I just heard, oh, sanitation, mafia. Sure, 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 sure. And then Tony Soprano blew it all out. Yeah, right. Yeah. But this was, this. it's so real. What a disgusting field. (laughs) What? Which organized crime or sanitation? No, garbage. <laughs> Gar- yeah, <laughs> no, I'd I'd much rather be. Yeah, I'd much uh, rather. <laughs> a, I'd much rather be mobbed up than throw away garbage. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> clean uh, murder scenes than uh, streets. We have to now apologize to two segments of our listenership, both people who are in organized crime and who are sanitation workers. You both serve a terrific purpose in society. Yes, especially listen, especially the organized crime guys. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> You're very supportive of everything you do. God bless. Keep it up. God, God bless. <laughs> this was a weird story. This isn't uh, particularly interesting either. <laughs> but what's interesting to me is that this appeared in the newspaper. I'm, okay, it's under food. Fine. The article just says food. Basic pointers for baking potatoes. Written by a journalist named Florence Fabricant. And it just says... Wait. Yeah, that literally, literally sounds like a fake name. I know, which is, I think, <laughs> the only reason I saved this article. Fabrice false name, but says <laughs> <laughs> false name, false <laughs> name. <laughs> but this article, well, okay, it gets boring, but it starts a little overly dramatic to me. The what? potato article gets boring. Yes, basic pointers. Not even it's not even like ooh, exciting new ways to bake a potato. It's like. These are the most basic, boring, <laughs> fundamental points we can make about the most basic, boring vegetable, which I, I never counted as a vegetable, but the article does. Sure. And this is the paper of record. So one of the simplest yet most satisfying of all vegetables is a baked potato. Mm. Light the oven, put the potato or potatoes in and roast them till tender. It hardly calls for skill. Yet many of the lunch tables around the nation are laden with unsatisfactory baked potatoes. Some are undercooked. Some lack a suitably crisp skin. Some taste steamed and soggy instead of being dry and fluffy. And a substantial proportion arrive at the table encased in foil. Can I ask you to give this another read? Uh huh. Can you read this like this is an expose? Sure, sure. Yeah. No, I can do that. <laughs> Should we go again? Yeah. Please t- give it again. I, I don't. I don't want to give you a reading. Take it from the top. <laughs> One of the simplest, yet most satisfying of all vegetables is a baked potato. Like the (laughs) oven, put the potato or potatoes in and roast them till tender. It hardly calls for skill. Yet many of the lunch and dinner tables around the nation are laden with unsatisfactory baked potatoes. Some are undercooked. Some lack a suitably crisp skin. Some taste steamed and soggy instead of being dry and fluffy. And a substantial proportion arrive at the table encased in foil that was yes. a good uh, note that was a good note Thank yeah you. i've directed in the past yeah uh- <laughs> well we spent longer on that article than i expected this is a great one <laughs> now this again is new jersey listen i guess new york was having a good week for once okay good 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 da, da, da. go <laughs> go ahead now I, i'm sorry i'm queuing you to cue me teenage gambling at schools and tracks uh-oh yeah east rutherford 
Surrounded by a group of friends, a 17-year-old high school student from North Arlington sat in the grandstand at the Meadowlands racetrack, studying his racing program and spitting tobacco juice into a cup on the floor between his feet. Oh. It was nearly post-time for the third race on a rainy Wednesday evening. The boy and his friends had already placed their bets. Man, oh, man. It, the gambling among teenagers is growing at an alarming rate. We have to crack down on it now. Do you remember on 90210? No. Okay. I've seen like one. That's, that's fine. Brandon Walsh was in high school and had a gambling problem. Oh, really? Yeah. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. And like, yeah, he, he borrowed money from, from Nat who ran the peach pit where he worked. And like, he had problems with his bookie. And it was one of those things where I'm just like, this is still about high school kids, right? Right. Like, is this a thing that happens when you hit high school? Yes, in America. You, like, you start big league gambling? Yeah. I guess so. Absolutely. Gambling. It seems that way. I mean, let's see. Let's see. In 1991. Oh, that's ga- uh, 800 Gambler. Boring. Okay. This is kids asking for help. <laughs> oh, look at this. Oh, wait. Kids asking for help with gambling? Yeah, who cares? Uh, I Department- shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> State Department of Higher Education. 5% of teenagers between 13 and 18 had a gambling problem, which is surprisingly high, don't you think? That's high! Yeah. Between 13 and 18, 5%? Many experts say the most prevalent form of teenage gambling is sports betting in the schools. The teenagers interviewed for the article all said the majority of boys in their schools, along with some girls, regularly place bets on football, basketball, and hockey. Hockey? Hockey! Yeah. Who watches Hockey's hockey? Great. I watch hockey. My cousin watches hockey. Some use weekly, quote, football tickets that get passed around schools and offices. Many, however, oh, yeah, that's right, place individual bets with student bookies. Who, you know what else is, I'm sorry, continue. No, uh, well, who either cover the bets themselves or pass them on to adult counterparts. Some student it's, gamblers bet hundreds of dollars a week. More than a few wind up over their heads in debt. I've got 14-year-olds telling me that they owe five grand to bookies, Mr. Wexler said. Jeez. Five grand. You know, it's like we're this shocked about teenagers gambling on sports and stuff. Yeah. And but I'm very much in a 1993 state of mind and mindset with this. Yeah. It's like at least they're not killing each other. Well, yes. But also now with like DraftKings and like online betting. Oh, sure. Sure. Fantasy football and stuff. You can just do it. It's. I'm sure that five thousand like 14 year olds losing five thousand dollars is almost routine. Well, that's, the way, that, that's a that's lot the case, of money, Russ. That's the case for most 14-year-olds. I'm willing to say that in 2017, instead of 5%, I'm going to go ahead and say that that number is 80, closer to 75, 75 80%. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is also, though, the early... It's like, it's <laughs> not easy to those, place a bet back in 93. That's why, all those, that's why all these teenagers nowadays have broken legs. Correct. Because they can't settle their bets. That's correct. It's not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a sequel to Life with Mikey about a guy who manages teenage bookies, starring Imagine. Michael J. Fox. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this one was DT. Go do me, do me. I don't. I oh, don't Dateline. Like, that was know, the cue. That's, you say Dateline? Yes. I forgot. <laughs> go ahead. Ticking into an uncertain future, Raymond. Her, uh, by Raymond. Her, uh, wow, I'm like all discombobulated because so far the stories have been weird. Okay. <laughs> He's a practitioner of an ancient craft, a watchmaker who for years has repaired old timepieces. Basically, the story's about the dying art of watchmaking. 
Oh, this is like a tie-in with S-Town. Did you listen to that? No, is that about... There's watch, watches come up in that, though? Clock, guy, guy's a, a clockmaker. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, it's, like, surprisingly... It's, it's very interesting. I thought it was just going to be, like, one of the elements of the story. And, I mean, it was one of the elements of the story, but it was yeah. a big one. Well, made you think about it in different ways. This story introduces a term, I guess, that was used around the 70s when, like, it says, as inexpensive disposable watches flooded the market. In an era known to the makers of classic mechanical watches as the quartz scare. <laughs> and just the idea <laughs> that you could say that to a watchmaker and he'd know what you were talking about. Yeah. You see his face go white? Yeah. <laughs> oh. He named names. <laughs> Casio. Timex. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It turned me out of this school, which is sad. It, the the Belova School in Queens, okay, that formed in 1945, right after the war, to train uh, injured soldiers, veterans in watchmaking. Wow! And it's one of the last uh, watchmaking schools. But then it closed shortly after this article was published. <laughs> Oops! Yeah. So sorry about your application process, listeners. Put the brakes on right away. But, you know, that's sweet. Yeah, for We used sure. to do that. What, make watches? No, no, like set up job training programs for veterans from after a war. Uh, yeah. We used to do that we a also, lot. Like the State yeah, Canteen was for that too, right? Yeah. We also used to end wars. We used to end so wars? That, yeah. That yeah. Was nice. now, they just, right. now they just go. True, but we'd, we would end them very violently. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, in theory, yeah. Russ, we could end a war. We could <laughs> probably, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm laughing too hard. Yeah, we are at, laughing too at, hard at this subject matter. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're right. This is this story. I got two more. Two more. This story okay. is about. I wish it was there. Do you remember? Did you ever go to the New York City? <laughs> did you ever go to New York City when you were a kid, like a lot, or no? I would go very infrequently. I was not adept. I was not too, too, I didn't know the city very well. Well, apparently there were a lot of these like old hardware stores around town that just had junk. Okay. And this, I guess, was, it says a cluttered treasure trove closes. A customer might wander into Alexander's hardware, peruse its marvels for a wondrous lunch hour, then pick up a couple nuts and bolts from one of a thousand bins. No charge, Arthur Alexander would say. I'll get you next time. <laughs> No more next times. After 83 years, the bafflingly cluttered emporium at 60 Reed Street in Lower Manhattan is in the final spasms of closing. It's going the way of other old-fashioned Manhattan hardware stores, places like Kamenstein's on 3rd Avenue and 9th, Tinker's Paradise over on Park Row, several places on Canal Street. Tinker's Paradise? Yeah. I I wish I could have gone to any of these. Wonderful name. I love that they're like, this guy used to just give away materials. Yeah, well, he's not going to be <laughs> and able now to he's do going that out of business yeah. because he's tragically no longer able to maintain this man his paid a medium to high Manhattan rent and gave away garbage to people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like digging around in my grandfather's attic, said Chris Piazza, a sculptor who's been spending her days. Oh, that was a twist. <laughs> Uh-oh. You, you don't see the female Chris abbreviated or. Not abbreviate. You don't see it spelled C-H-R-I-S that often. Okay. And around $2,000 so far buying interesting things. One find 200 foot-shaped treadles for old-fashioned sewing machines. She intends to use in a whimsical model of the Eiffel Tower. I mean, that's insane. Jeez. 200 of that is just one of the items in this store. 
And he was just giving them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No charge, no charge. Here, take these. Take they're, they're just filling up space. What did anyone ever want with lipstick that looks and tastes like eggnog? Snake skins. Fur coats from the 40s. John, are you having a stroke? No, I'm what just... What are these sentences? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Arthur Alexander acquired 10,000 pounds of body trim and t- whatever that... Uh, oh, that's for cars, I guess? Oh, yeah, intended... No, yeah, intended for 1939 Chrysler Airflow automobiles. A sign over a huge pile of them suggests the strips would make terrific steaks for tomato plants. Another time, <laughs> he became the proud owner of 45,000 aluminum heating elements used in making crockpots, which had come and gone. The elements moved briskly as refrigerator defrosting coils, perfect for doghouse doors. This place feels like its designed clientele are hoarders. Yeah. Where they're just like, oh, you got all this scrap wood over there. You can just buy it or take it. If you need to stake a tomato plant, it's perfect for that. Just take as much as your arms can carry and bring it home and just jam it into your home. Yeah. Oh, wait, I misread this. The things aren't, the, which makes sense. The aluminum things aren't for doghouse stores. That was the, the next label. So here, here it is. Currently, <laughs> he is scrambling to unload 70,000 hinges for the music holders on pianos. Clearly, the perfect thing for doghouse doors. Yeah, that makes more sense now, I guess. Holy cow. Isn't this crazy? It's a lot of stuff. I know. I, I, what a store. And now it's like, it just looks like a bougie condo. I went to the street view. <laughs> I wonder we if- should go there. We should go there and ask for, for doghouse doors. Yeah, I'm looking for a hinge <laughs> that you might find on the music stand of a piano. I, I, I got, a, got a 1972 Kimball piano. I'm trying to replace the hinge. Sir, this is our home. No, uh, I, I heard you guys had maybe 70,000 of these back there. I, I need one. Maybe one backup. Oh, my gosh. Final dateline. Mm. Go ahead. Felix James Grucci Sr., 87, dies. Staged oh. fireworks extravaganzas. Yeah, the Grucci family. I Wait, know you them. know them? Yeah. They would, uh, they're a big family. Uh, the f- no family kidding. of fireworks. Yeah, they would. All the fireworks shows at Shea Stadium growing up. Wow. Um, yeah. On the 4th of July. On, it was on television and stuff. Yeah, they, uh, they were a big, big fireworks family. They still do it. They still are. But he was the, the patriarch, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He died at yeah. 87, which is a good, good long uh, good run, especially back in the 90s. But thought we should pay our respects. <laughs> no. The, hey, you know what? I love that it's, you know him. They lived in Bellport. Right, right now we're recording the end of April, which means that tomorrow will be May. June is right around the corner. You are crushing after that it, Russ. Comes, after, after that comes July, and July makes you think of July 4th, and July 4th makes you think fireworks, and fireworks makes you think of the Gucci family. Rest in peace. All these sir. things are true. This is our timely, timely <laughs> tribute. Hey, listen, I don't time the obits, okay? No, that's fine. It is, you know, here we are. We're paying our respects. What would it be? I guess 14 years too late slash three months too early. Mm, so a little more than that. 24 years. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's on you, pal. You knew them back then. That's true. That's entirely true. That's all the news My that's fit to red. print. A lot of weird stories. Nothing crazy, but uh, interesting. Interesting. I'm on board. I love it. We're going to talk more about some more news in a little bit. Uh, agreed. Ooh, baby. You don't know that. You you either do or don't know that. Yet, I think I we're do. We're going to find out. Cool. That's so, what y'all get for letting two dorks host a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you let us do this. Hello? <laughs> Was that too aggressive? <laughs> <sighs>
So, Togetherness is the name of the episode, and this episode, as most episodes do, it opens with a cold open. We got to credit the director and writer. Oh, please. Because it's tradition. I apologize. I don't think we need to if you watched it, because you would recognize the sweeping newsroom-esque shots from Mm -hmm. Mr. Barnett Kelman. You'd see it, and you'd say, this is a Barnett. This is a BK. (laughs) The Burger King himself. That's right. (laughs) Knocking it out of the park. (laughs) And it's written by one of your favorites, Russ, Steve Paver. It is. And one of Mm -hmm. mine, who wrote Out of the Past in the Apartment. He did another good job. He did another great job. So, yeah, we open in the living room. It's night. They're in their pajamas. And they are playing Monopoly. Yes. I uh, rarely play board games with my girlfriend. Yeah. It's sort of, it looked kind of fun. I would play Scrabble. Oh, Jen that's a I good would, one. Yeah. Jen and I would play Scrabble. We would not play Monopoly. I do not like Monopoly. And Monopoly ends relationships, whether it's between dating people, it ends marriages, it destroys families left and right. Yeah. Uh, though I think you'd, you'd you'd be willing to admit that there were probably already some issues there. No, I think that they're all. <laughs> I think that there are large. There's that's probably like a, a boxed check on the divorce. <laughs> I mean, form. you are right. It it turns to it turns two human beings into corporations, which though yeah. really uh, they're the same thing anyway. So you that, know, that's it doesn't true. make a difference. That's uh, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, that that was probably somebody's testimony or somebody's defense when they were like should corporations be judges people and they were just like hey you ever play monopoly yeah "Yeah, great point yeah great point let's pass this into law Uh (laughs) scrabble sounds fun scrabble is fun i used to play Um, hardcore monopoly in high school is that like when you're naked (laughs) no (laughs) what's hardcore monopoly I thought you said hardcore pornography. What's hardcore monopoly? You know the pornography is the part that implies the naked, not the word hardcore, right? I gotta clear out my 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 internet <laughs> you, search. You thought the word guess... pornography just meant like up close? Or like I've asked so many explicit. people. Well, I've asked so many people yeah. over to my home yeah. to play to play a board game called pornography. Yeah, right. and. <laughs> Which is just like a really hardcore game. Yeah. <laughs> um, Baltic. Boom. Yeah. No, it means you follow the rules. Like, to the oh. letter. Well, that sounds miserable. Like, no, no, none of that, you know, no free parking, no. Like, we had the rules from Monopoly.com or where, wherever they had the all the full rules book published. Uh-huh. And we'd follow it aggressively and play the full game. Was it fun? Absolutely. Weird, right? Do you still talk to these people? Well, no. I mean, we've all moved on. I have kids. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but they did. I don't think that that is incidental. I'm going to go ahead and call the dissolution of your friendship a direct result. Oh, that could be. uh, Hardcore Monopoly. You're right. And not not that we graduate high school and move thousands of miles away from each other. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, I I like the idea of you guys all being like, oh, what a fun group we have. Who's ready to stay and go to community college together? And, and they were all like, yeah. And then after a month of playing the game, you were just like, I think I'm going to go to Ohio State. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving the state. And people are just like, yeah, I'm going to go to Yale now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this game sucks. <laughs> oh, so Jamie is crushing ball. Yes. And it has become like a, it has transformed into a cold, hard capitalist. 
I own it all, there's no escape. Are you familiar with the phrase, it's just a game? That'll be 1,400 bucks. I have $9. So, uh, I'm, I'm gonna owe it to you. Mortgage something. I can't, everything's mortgaged. It's not Baltic. Baltic? Oh, you, you are so cruel. You know that? These poor people, they live in a slum. And you want me to just throw them out in the street? I can't do that, I'm not that kind of person. You are now. Murray, lend me 5,000 bucks. Oh, come on. Uh, so, like, when she's like, you owe me $1,400. I have $9. Right, which the game's based, the game's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the last turn. But she's such a cool... I, the uh, back and forth about Baltic Avenue. Mm-hmm. Which Paul immediately... Saying, yeah. Paul, yeah, Paul's just saying, you are so cruel, Baltic Avenue. These poor people, <laughs> they live in a slum. Right. Just- <laughs> which is a thought I've always thought. Oh, yeah. Right? We all do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, he... Listen, I don't know if people play Monopoly without buying Baltic if they land on it. I'm betting they don't. But I always had a certain love or, like place in my heart for Baltic and I would always buy it yeah, and develop there immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a heart for those people. What, what, uh, what about, what about Baltic did it for you? I think it just felt very urban and or like the tenements that my, uh, forefathers spent time in when they immigrated to the United States. Okay. You know I what like I mean? That. Baltic Avenue yeah. feels like where you go right after you check it at Ellis Island. Sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I went to Atlantic city once as a kid with my family. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think I'd heard, I think I knew that the streets in Monopoly were named after the streets in Atlantic City. I don't think I knew that till just now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, they are. And gotcha. And it's, it's like seeing famous people. Oh, right. Where, sure, that is fun. Yeah. Where, like, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's, Bal- it's Baltic. Yeah. I'd be freaking Baltic out. Baltic is right here. I'd be like, ah, they built a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> And you're walking on the boardwalk, and you're like, this is the boardwalk. Right, right, right. Holy cow. We're practically famous. Yeah. No, that is exciting. I'll have to pay attention next time I go. Do it. (laughs) Paul says to Murray, Murray, loan me 5,000 bucks. Murray gets up and leaves. He goes to the couch, (laughs) and Paul just says, oh, come on. I give you things. Yeah. Which is all very, very silly. Also, they have, they, like... I love how, like, I don't know who's coming up with these, mm-hmm. but, like, the notion of having a hot water pot on the coffee table so that they can refill their tea easily. I didn't even notice that. Well, because Jamie gets up with her little teacup and goes up to the coffee table. Smart. She goes from her one living room to her other living room. <laughs> which for those who've been watching along, you can see that they basically have two living rooms in their living room, <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah. They're yeah. so bad at decorating. <laughs> That mask is still on the wall. Oh, I was for a second. I thought it was gone. No, because it was there. masked. Uh huh. By the uh, whatever. By the it doesn't matter. But the mask uh, was masked. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, uh, honestly, if the mask leaves at some point, that will be a triumph. Oh man! If the mask left, it would be smoking. Oh, is that a mask joke? <laughs> Somebody stop him! <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, but I know those lines. I, y- it takes quite a performer and a person to both yes and and destroy somebody in the that's same me. line. That's me. And that's what you just did, you giant jerk. Oh, I'm sorry. Great. 
No, that's fine. That's fine. I had it coming. So we go <laughs> to uh, the next scene. It's the living room. And uh, yes, sir. it's uh, the end. Of, it seems like the end of a work day because Paul's in uh, some nice work clothes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's mixing yeah. a salad. He is all dressed up. Yeah, he is, right? He's mixing yeah. a salad and talking to Murray, mm-hmm. as usual. Murray wants a crouton. Right. And he eventually coaxes it out of Paul with his face, his charming being face. Cute, yeah. Being a cute dog. Right. Paul's a, Paul's a softie. Paul ha- can't deal with faces. No. As this scene as we, will show. Yes. Dogs can eat croutons, right? Who cares? I think dogs can eat croutons. How much dogs want croutons, I'm not entirely sure. They're just toast. Oh, this dog uh, wants them anytime. Wa- loves a crouton. I love croutons. <laughs> oh, you're the you're the dog in per- <laughs> When you said this dog, you didn't mean Murray. You meant John. No, not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> woof woof. Uh, so oh, Jamie man. comes in. And... I'm gonna call you the crouton dog. That does it. <laughs> <laughs> the worst nickname. The worst. I'm John, but my friends call me Crouton Dog. <laughs> because I sort of said that once. <laughs> I said that in the vicinity of a real idiot, and now here we are. I guess that's most nicknames, though. Sure. Someone that's said fair. that once, so that's my name now. So that's, a- that's actually how names work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do you want to get married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jamie comes in, and... They just really missed each other. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, Paul oh, says, yeah. T- yeah, Paul says 10 hours apart is too much. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess they're newlyweds, so that's why. They may be newlyweds. Even if they were, <laughs> even if the, we were just going by the 13 weeks that this show has been on for, uh-huh. after 13 weeks, yeah. you shouldn't be saying, oh, 10 hours apart is too much. Yeah, 10 Chill hours out. is like, uh, uh, okay, you know? <laughs> It's a work. It's a work day. Yeah, it's, you got the morning and fine. the night. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you're adults. You're adult. Yeah, come on, come on, guys. But we find out he made. He made. Mm-hmm. Made. Which who knew Paul could cook? He made linguine, chicken, broccoli, and he says he uses the term certain spices. Yeah, I underlined that myself. Which uses the term certain spices, which sh- shoots your love of spices theory right in the foot. Wait, what was that theory? You believe that you were like, oh, first they talk about cumin, then they talk about caraway seeds. The caraway seed is a reference to the cumin. Oh, because yes. This person loves, and I'm just like, if that were true, then this would be a laundry list of specific spices. Well, Russ, you wouldn't put cumin in linguine, and now I'm starting to, I'm changing my theory to say that he's more interested in particularly South Asian spices and their relatives. <laughs> So you're refining your theory. Why is he such a good cook, yet we, we haven't seen him cook for 12 episodes, and we always watch Jamie, like, make a total disaster in the kitchen every time? That's a great That's a great point. Like, wh- this We're, is such a weird aspect yeah. to introduce, where it's like, oh, I just whipped up some linguine, chicken, broccoli. Yeah, we watch Jamie roll out a frozen lasagna. Right. At at no point did Paul say, hey, here, let me let me try this or that or the other. Yeah, stuff. in fact, why are we even doing frozen? Let me go get some fresh pasta from the market. Let me, yeah, <laughs> I cook this all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wear a vest when I do it. Oh, but he makes this great Young and the Restless joke. The wine. Good, we can celebrate. I had a great day. Hey, I had a great day, too. You know, I finally figured out which ones are the young, which ones are the restless. <laughs> He does. So we find out, oh, Jamie had a great day, right? Yep. They're celebrate. She wants to celebrate. 
Yes. At for, what is it called? Farrar Gans? Yes, that's the right? place. Yes. What a weird that's name her, for a That's place. where they work. That's where she works. Yeah. Well, we find out that her firm has been hired to do an I Love New York campaign. Mm-hmm. I still love New York, they're calling. Right, because I love New York. Paul points out, I Love New York was already done. Yep. I still love New York uh, feels uh, very Trumpian to me, <laughs> where he was just like, make America great again. And then he actually had people wearing make Mexico great again also hats. Like, that's oh, a real thing that happened. Interesting. That is true. Yeah. So I think Trump is a big... Oh, do you think Donald Trump is a big, he's a rise guy? I hope not. Boy, if, he is, if we could get invited to the White House, that would be something. That would be. <laughs> President Trump. I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of a lot of your things, but I do like your home. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, the man's the president. Sure. <laughs> you clearly are a fan of what we're talking about here. <laughs> listen, if you're a rise guy, honestly, tweet at us. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't help but notice that you had a stupid hat, and that mirrors this stupid uh, slogan. Therefore, we're on the same page. Should we be making I Still Love New York hats? Yes, absolutely. That are red? That are red hats? Yeah. Wait, that's not even close to Make America. Uh, Yeah. Okay, it doesn't work in the hat form, but I see your point. (laughs) 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 Oh, so... So they're doing I Still Love New York for the New York Tourism Board, and Jamie wants Paul to shoot this commercial. Yes. And Wait, Paul... The, hold on. Is this not uh, one of the branches you were going to go on, or are you about to go on it? What? No, I, was, I, I had nowhere else to go. What, else, what do you want to talk oh, about? Oh, well, uh, I'm sorry, everybody, but the I Love New York ads are pretty interesting. <laughs> and fun. And the reason I know... do you, Well, no, you were too young. These are like when you were born, these were airing and before. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if it was necessarily for. Well, are you going to talk about like the lullaby of Broadway commercials? No, I'm literally going to talk about the I Love New York commercial. Okay, I don't think I have that one, but there were there were definitely commercials. I might know what you're talking about without having seen them, because I mean, commercials back then were pretty iconic. And I remember commercials from the mid 80s for Broadway Uh that had jingle you know they said it to the lullaby of broadway and i just remember and in the center of it all is the, the milford plaza yeah, yeah, yeah totally that's a and, those are fun yeah and every single time i see the milford plaza in new york i sing it and think of it and i'm just like it's that, again being in awe of a place i heard about I'm just, it's that place from that commercial that's I true been, i haven't been this excited since i saw baltic avenue yeah right like <laughs> Well, that's my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, man. I mean that is how that's how we respond. That's why people go anywhere. That's true. That's what advertising you is. You hear about a thing and then you want to go see it. Yeah. And that's the world. So the the I Love New York campaign though, obviously came out of the fact that it was a cesspool in the 70s. Mhm. Well, I got all this information. I I didn't know any of this really. Uh but I listened to a fantastic book. Listened, not read because it's like 8,000 pages. Sure. But also, even if it was 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are we yeah, blame the amount of pages. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Michael Riedel of the New York Post, the theater gossip columnist? I'm sure I've seen the name. I don't uh, I don't recall. He hosts uh, Theater Talk work. on CUNY TV with Susan okay. Haskins. Okay. That, like, bare bones Broadway show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wrote a masterpiece called Razzle oh. Dazzle about the business history of Broadway. And 
it starts in the late 1800s and goes through present day, basically okay. weaving a tale of like how the history of Broadway and the history of New York City are very closely related, and sure. how one would help propel the other, and by the you know back and forth this sort of dance that brought it to its darkest days and back up to its most uh, well what we know today, which is a pretty safe, clean, expensive city. Yeah. But I love New York, of course. This was a huge deal. This was a huge campaign. Yes. Uh, it's where we get the I Heart New York logo from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The jingle was written by the guys who wrote, at the time, the like Budweiser jingle, the Miller jingle. Like they, It was like a... This, you know what? I'm saying that now as if I knew what that was. But now that I'm reading, I'm like, I don't know. Who knows what the Budweiser ad was from the 80s? I don't know why... I can't think of the Budweiser ad, but I really like the idea of you being very excited about, like, this was the guy who came up with the Budweiser yeah. frogs. I don't know what that like, is. He, yeah. he, wrote the, he wrote this jingle just soon after he did Budweiser. <laughs> it's that guy, that musical genius. <laughs> well, so the New York Times wrote a story about the day they shot this, and they shot it. This is just some weird trivia, okay, I, that I think is interesting, and I'm assuming some of you do because you're on episode 13 of the podcast. <laughs> they shot like five of these at least, right? But the one, okay. the one that he talks about a lot is this first one that was very Broadway-oriented, and it's just basically the – let's put in uh, the commercial here. There's only one Broadway. It's in New York. Introducing I Love New York Broadway Show Tours. 16 specially priced packages of shows and hotels. For a free booklet, see your travel agent or call toll-free 800-331-1000. I love New York, especially in the evening. So the tune is very like, I love New York. Like, uh, a little annoying, quite honestly. <laughs> so it's just different Broadway okay. cast singing it. You, you know what I mean? So you got, first they show okay. like the cast of uh, yes. Chorus Line, which was the biggest show at the time. Also, when you watch this, you're like, sure. man, yeah. all these shows were huge. Uh, then you got the Wiz cast coming yeah. out and singing it. Then you got Grease. Then you got the King and I with Yul Brenner. Then you got Annie. Like, oh, wow. This was, but then it goes into plays and different casts of plays. And it's like this old, <laughs> and I'm sure they're famous, but like this old couple is having like a little argument to <laughs> While it's doing voiceover. Oh, yeah, God. baby. Oh, death of a And then there's this weird magic show with a guy <laughs> levitating. Cut. I don't know what show that... Oh, is that Pippin? No, they would be singing, right? I've never seen Pippin anyway. I don't know. Probably? I don't know but, Pippin either. I know So I the, the, the little it. anecdote at the, in Razzle Dazzle has to do with the very final moment where Frank Langella comes out as Dracula and all this smoke because he was playing Great. Dracula on Broadway at the time. <laughs> and sure, he's sure. supposed to say... Or the line they're trying to get him to say is, I love New York, especially at night. But apparently, Langella didn't like the word night. (laughs) He said Dracula would never say night. Dracula would say evening. Oh, my God. And the problem was, it was a one-minute commercial. (laughs) The problem was Frank Langella. Times to a fraction of a second. So night was one syllable, evening was two. So it added just 
a little too much time. So apparently <laughs> they let Langella do one evening take. And then they were like, okay, well, we got to get the night. And supposedly he kept throwing the take, like just doing it in the worst way <laughs> so that they were forced to use evening. Yeah. And it worked. <laughs> Isn't that great? And they premiered. <laughs> I just love this. Like, So they, they had like a premiere party for the oh. for the added tavern on the green where they screened it. Oh, my it. gosh. Um, also, it was shot at Sony Studios. It wasn't Sony at the time, but 460 West 54th Street which is where they shot, like, the Nirvana okay. Unplugged on MTV. And also Tough Crowd with Colin yeah, Quinn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> which is one of my favorites. Great. You guys uh, listening, uh, you weren't able to just see John's face right now. When he spoke about Nirvana Unplugged, his face belied that he had never heard of the concept of things no, being unplugged, nor of the I band knew. Nirvana. So it was it was just, it, those, those were just, that was just yeah, a word salad. I mean, you got to do one for <laughs> you, one for them, you know? I know who Nirvana is. I know they did Unplugged, and I think I've seen Kurt, Kurt or Kirk play one of those songs. Kirk. Or Kurt, I don't know. What's his last name? Oh, Cobain. Everyone knows that. I call him K, K Cobain. KC, KC. Sorry, I didn't realize how tight you two were. I apologize. <laughs> I didn't know who he was till he killed himself. I, so, I was in a youth group in the Philippines. <laughs> we had just moved in church. And the youth group leader spent the entire youth group talking about how he blew his brains out with a shotgun. Jesus. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's as weird as your tact now. <laughs> yes, forgive me. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That's, that is, uh, I like every bit of that. I mean, it's I I just I love I love New York, <laughs> and it is a great book that everyone should read. Oh my god! Because it's just full of anecdotes like that. I'll tell you what else I love besides New York. Ha! Huh. I love Mad About You. What's that? Ha! <laughs> it's hard to remember. So yeah, Jamie uh, wants Paul to shoot the commercial. Yes. Which we've seen this situation on every show. Oh my gosh! Well, it's, some shows, right? It's it, like don't work this, with your spouse. This was a very I mean, look, it was a very formulaic episode. Oh, I didn't mean like, that in a bad way. Oh, no, no, no. I, it's Yes, we've, we've seen it before. This is a fun episode because it's basically just like Paul says things and then everything that Paul says exactly happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I was thinking about this. We should have a we should start our, a tally of who wins the episode. Oh, whether, interesting. Whether Paul wins or Jamie wins. That is an interesting idea. Because. I think this is a, well, as uh, one of our listeners, shout out to Mac Jackson, host of the MacGyver podcast. Everyone should listen. He pointed out in the Facebook group that he thinks that he and his wife have talked about this a lot. And he believes that Jamie is the instigator of many of the conflicts on the show. Yes. And in reading it, I took issue with that. As did I. And I didn't respond because I, 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 I wanted to have a clarity of mind and make sure that it wasn't just an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think the cold hard truth might be that he, he and his wife might be right. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna it's... find out. We're gonna collect data. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, this podcast is mostly about data. It's about numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we're only doing a podcast because that's the, how people consume it. We'd prefer to be just publishing spreadsheets every week. Oh, gosh. So, uh, so Paul obviously doesn't want to do the commercial. Cheese. Cheese. Why don't you want to give this a shot? This could be great for your career. 
Yeah, but what about my marriage? It'll be great. Just think we'll get up together. We'll go to work together. We'll come home together. You know how much we like together? Yeah, that's because we don't have it too much, you know? <laughs> I'm just worried if we're together too much. Yeah, then... it'll be fun. Uh, anyway, I can't do it now because I'm, I'm doing all my prep work for my next project. Prep work? Prep work. <laughs> Sitting around the house, staring into space? Hey, you know, to the untrained eye, it may look like I'm lounging around, but in fact, I'm in a fever of creative activity. Uh-huh. I'm telling you. The, you know, in fact, the lazier I look, the harder I'm thinking. <laughs> if you ever see me dozing off, it's because I'm actually an approaching genius. How do I know if you're working or goofing off? Well, you don't. That's the whole beauty of me. I was surprised. So this sets up the tone, I think, for the rest of the episode, because, like, she sort of goes after his process a little as a documentarian. Yes. And this is like a debate that happens a lot amongst couples where one is artistic and one is less, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he weathers it pretty smoothly, I would say. Yeah. He's confident in what he does. Apparently, he makes serious bank doing it. So he's it's not <laughs> even if, you know, if he was struggling, then it would be one thing for her to be like, you sleep all the time or you just goof off. And uh, for him to be like, yeah, you're right. I, sh- I I should work a little bit harder. Right. I'm, yeah. I, I need to be a better breadwinner. Yeah. But no, he's able to be just like, yeah. And then I uh, crank out these great documentaries. Yeah. That we live a in a mansion and I yeah. basically have a studio in Union Square. Yeah. <laughs> With a small staff. So, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he, he, he does handle it well. Um, right. And I feel like the whole episode is like, normally an episode like this leads to big fights. Right. And in this episode, it doesn't, which I love. Yes, this was a fun, a fun light one. There's a lot of little, little things that happen in this, all of which could blow up. Yes, exactly. They, right. They roll with everything very well. In this yes, episode. because they know it's temporary. Yeah, that is true. So Jamie, sort there's of, you a know. fun, there's a fun little moment if you don't yeah. mind. No, uh, no. Where as Jamie's trying to talk Paul into it, Paul gets up and goes into the kitchen. Jamie's out at the table. Looking mm-hmm. for, you know, getting food ready. Paul goes into the kitchen and he's saying how he doesn't want to do it and what his hesitancy is. And then he opens the fridge and he goes, what the hell am I looking for? And Jamie goes, cheese. Paul goes, cheese. Like, yeah, he went, he went to the fr- that. I can't tell you how real that is and yeah. how funny and how little that is. Just taking a moment to go into the other room and you're in the middle of a conversation and it's just like, what am I doing in here? And the other person knows. Yes, Absolutely. Oh. Really, really fun little moment, and then and then they go back to talking about it. And I also uh, like that uh, conversation. So he part of it is he doesn't want to work with her, right? Because he thinks it's a bad idea. But also part of it is he's like, I don't want to do a commercial. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. I'm I don't a do filmmaker. that trash. Yeah, and she says it. Yeah, well, that's the good thing. He doesn't want a regular commercial. He wants to do it like a documentary with the real grit. And Paul says the real New York garbage and traffic. And yeah. she says, well, not not that real. Yeah, right. So she presses him, right? Because they right. sort of diverge a little. They get into his film. Blah, blah, blah. They come back and she's like, so? And he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And she basically makes him do it. Yeah. <laughs> and she does a face like yep. Murray until yep, he agrees. Yeah, there's a great moment where she just says, I'm going to need an answer. And Paul says, I gave you my answer. And she says, I need the other answer. Yeah. <laughs> she wants him to do it. And yeah. she's not going to stop until he does. And so... He says he will do it, and then he says, okay. And she says it's a done deal as long as you don't screw up the interview, which is a pretty (laughs) funny way to end this thing that he got pressured into doing that he doesn't want to do. Indeed. (laughs) So we go to the next scene. 
yeah. at at a boardroom or a conference mm-hmm. room at Ferrar Gans, yes, which is very corporate and beautiful. Which I guess mm-hmm. we've been there before, probably. But that was back in '89 during the That's Christmas true. episode. That's true. It does look different now. Yeah, it's been uh, remodeled. I'm sure. Well, you know, they've done very well. They got the Copytron, and that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that brought in a lot of income. I also love Paul's so creeped out by how corporate the office is. Yes. He's such a like little it's a corporation. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a little artist. Yeah. He's spinning stuff. He's just touching everything. Like the painting at like uh in the Christmas episode also. Yeah, yes. He's he's a child. Paul's Paul's got Paul's got some ADD issues, maybe. I guess that's what it is, yeah. (laughs) Also he's the ugliest tie in the world. A very ugly tie. I mean, like because you know, I don't comment on the clothes too much, but this one was screaming. I've been getting very into the Beatles again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Quick aside. Beatles MTV and Unplugged. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> hey, name all four Beatles if you could. Jason, Peter, <laughs> Donald, and Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. I know the Beatles. I know you do. Okay, so there. Uh, I was just like, ooh, years ago I got Beatles ties, and they look good and nice. Oh, I remember those. Like, yeah, Beatles, like uh, the cover of yep. Revolver. And it's I a wanted one of those, tie. too. And uh, there was one where, the, you know, they're, they're faces in portrait, but you can't really tell. You know, it's the pattern. You can't tell it's them until you're close up. And then it's like, oh, that's very interesting. And it's it looks cool. And so I was like, I wonder if I could find any more of those that are nice looking. And so I Googled it and I found a whole bunch of them that were made about somebody made them about specific Beatles songs. So it's those like are the a, ones I remember. Okay, where it's just like, oh, here's a magical mystery tour tie, and here's a the yeah. fool on the hill tie, and it's like and, I guess a tie artist's interpretation of the song, yes. right? And the like that's really cool in theory, right? But in practice, these ties were made in 1991, right? And they all look like Paul's tie, right? The, yeah. All of these really cool ideas for Beatles ties, it actually looks like Jerry Seinfeld made <laughs> Beatles ties. <laughs> they that are, is true. You're right. They're frozen they in are, time. They're pretty 90s out. Uh, completely unwearable. <laughs> Which is so... It's so weird that some things are frozen in time like, time like that. Yeah. We don't understand or realize how the zeitgeist of the day is coloring everything we do so that when we look back, it will look dated. That is true. Because the guy set out to say, you know what? I'm going to make a tie about how I want to hold your hand. Yeah. This is my interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Just from me. Just from having me. no idea that everything that some in the time. Col- yeah, that's, right. That yeah. some schmuck with a podcast about a TV show is going to be picking on me in, in 25 years. Oh, well, he should have known that. He should have. <laughs> <laughs> he should be thrilled. He would have been thrilled at the time. I guess that's true. If, if the radio covered it. <laughs> so Paul wants a sign. With Jamie. Yes, a signal in, for if things go south. Yes, in case things get too uncomfortable. Oh, we should, a- we should set up so that obviously they're waiting for the client to arrive for the interview of Paul. Right, yes. Right. Paul is a little bit nervous about how it's going to go, wants to set up a, a code word. Now, what will happen in case of that code word? I don't know. This this feels like a, this is like that a classic trope for oh, sitcoms. Absolutely. That you see a million times, except normally it's, hey, if I get uncomfortable, we get let's out. leave. Yeah, right. You're not going to do that in a <laughs> in a meeting. Seinfeld <laughs> did it constantly. That's the only one I'm thinking of. Yeah. I may, that may be what I, I mean, look, the biggest one is just Jerry tapping on his tapping head. Tapping his head at Michael yeah. Chiklis's party. Yeah. Or uh, when he and George are going to swap the answering machine tape 
and they're trying to come up with a song lyric to sing in case uh, she ca- she yeah. comes out to catch them. And he's just yelling tippy toe. Yeah, tippy toe, tippy toe. <laughs> so they come up with their own terms. They sure do. So I'm assuming you looked. <laughs> did you look this up the way I did? I sure did. <laughs> you go. I want to hear everything. We got we got logarithm. We got spittoon. We got paramecium. Paramecium comes back. The big one in the middle, though, is Estes Kefauver. Honestly, thank God, because when I set you up and you said we got logarithm, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Russ is going to go really deep into what a <laughs> logarithm is right now. Uh, those were the unusual ones to you. Yeah, you guys aren't going to believe it. So a spittoon <laughs> back in the Old West. Anyway, yes, Estes, Estes Kefauver. Yes, Adlai Stevenson's running mate. Yeah. As indicated by Paul. Yeah, he he says Estes Kefauver will be a fantastic code word. Which it and is, actually. It, I mean, sure, it's great. Because it's so specific, you would never suspect it. Yes, you'd never, you, you would never, it's not going to come up in regular conversation. But you can also weave it in. Word. You can, and he does. Yeah. <laughs> did you go deep on Estes Kefauver? I, 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 a little, but I'm guessing not as deep as you did. Well, I'm glad that you didn't because I want you to go deep right now. Great. Take because, me there. <laughs> because here's the thing. Jen looked him up uh-huh. and Jen gasped and Jen said to me, yeah. did you just see it or no. are you just excited? I, I'm Jen excited. Said to me, Jen said to me, Russ, there is a U.S. Senate special committee to investigate organized crime. Oh, yes. In I did see that. Commerce. Yes. Estes Kefauver. Mm-hmm. had a thing, a huge impact on organized crime mm-hmm. in the United States. He's the linchpin of Mad About, Mad About You. Yes. He's yes. bringing it all together. He was the head of this committee in 1950 through 1951. More than 600 witnesses testified because uh, there, there, there were racket squads com- uh, uh, organized yeah, U.S. cities and states had requested assistance in dealing with organized crime. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's this, great. This led to this committee that was formed, uh-huh. which became the Kefauver Committee. And, and the this Kefauver is what, hearings. like 50s? Early 50s, yeah, right? in 1950 and 51. This committee is responsible for RICO. What? Yes. They go back that far? It's a direct line. Oh, it's between, responsible for Rico, which came later. Yes. Gotcha. It's a direct line from wow. this to Rico. And wow. the, crazy, the yeah. craziest thing about it, 30 million people in 1951 watched the proceedings on, t- on TV. Those are tremendous ratings. Huge. Can you imagine? What? I mean, that's a level of like attention. That's like where we're at now again. That's like the only way that that should happen. You should get those kinds of numbers is if every if one out of two people were being harassed and attacked by the mafia. Yeah. And it's just and everybody went home was just like, I got to see this stuff. That is this, this helps me. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Totally crazy. Did they have. Do they? Well, I don't know if you know this. Do they have uh, mafia guys come down and testify? I do Probably not know. Not. Probably law I, enforcement. Look, I'll tell you this. I do know that the Kefauver hearings are available to watch on YouTube. <laughs> By the grace of God, I managed to pry myself away from my television and not watch them today. But, <laughs> but they're out there. Oh, Russ. They're out there. Oh, gosh. No so, one's going to yeah. be able to stop us from falling down. I mean, the holes just get deeper. It, it, this, and we have three years of this left. It's going to ruin my life. Yeah. 
You don't that even know yet, That is great, bud. though. Well, you, you know... You don't he, uh, even know yet. I was reading about how he, you know, on, obviously wanted to be president. Right. And he won a lot of primaries, but he was not... This committee created a schism between him and the Democratic Party because so many Democratic politicians were, like, hooked up with the mafia. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Especially at the time. Right. This is the heyday of, uh, you know, we're 10, we're 10 years away from, from Kennedy. Right. So this is, yeah, this is Joe Kennedy time. True, true. Who was uh, significantly mobbed up from what I understand, which is nothing. I do not understand about I, that. I forgot there was a Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Adelaide Stevenson's running mate. He was. He yes. Ran, yeah. Adelaide Stevenson. This is uh, brief. I just didn't know this. They're like the Bushes. Like, there were a million of them. Oh, yeah? I didn't know that either. Did you know that? There was Adelaide Stevenson 1, who was vice president from 93 to 97. There was Adelaide Stevenson 2, who's the guy we're talking about. There was Adelaide Stevenson 3, who was a senator. And then there was Adelaide Stevenson 4, who's a journalist. Wow. Fi- finally got out of the family business. Holy cow. But I did yeah, not know about the, I know. the, the long line of Adelaide Stevenson. Of Adelaide Stevenson, yeah. Anyway. Good for them. Holy moly. So they settle on paramecium. Yes. Basically, right? That'll mm-hmm. be the uh, code word, the safe word mm-hmm. for the meeting. The safe word, right. And, and that's when the client walks in. In walks Al. Al, played by actor Jerry Harden. Who's great. Gosh, was he fun. Him? I did not recognize I I knew him as a guy. I couldn't place him at all, but I knew, I, I was just like, this guy's been in everything. Let me tell you what he's most famous for that's going to get a lot of people excited. Okay. They're already probably excited because they probably know the actor's name already. He played a little character on the X-Files called Deep Throat. Yes, yes he did. That is right. Yes. Which I is... did not watch I did not watch any of the X-Files. Really? I watched yeah. enough, but not all like I wasn't obsessed. I had friends who were obsessed and they would invite me one time they invited me over to watch it and oh, I was just you. like Yeah, right. Oh, I was so psyched. What a big but, opportunity. Uh... <laughs> They invited me over to watch it, and I was just like, oh, okay, I'm going to go over and watch a television show with friends. Uh, this is a social thing. Oh. So I went over there, and the show's uh-huh. on, and I'm like, oh, it's time to talk our way through oh, this because gosh, we're friends. Russ. Watch it. Yeah, that is what they said. Yeah. Except they, with more four-letter words thrown in. They were <laughs> so pissed at me. <laughs> Can you imagine so if it was The Wire? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Game of Thrones? Oh boy! <laughs> oh, oh, we so can't hear what I'm, the I'm dragons starved. are saying. <laughs> oh man! So uh, Al shows up, and what else? Yes, he was in. He was in um, the X Files. Was there more that you wanted to touch on with the X Files? Or, or I mean, him? there should be more, but I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> I know that he is. Uh, he is the father. of He's the father of Melora Hardin. Does that name ring a bell to you? No. She played Jan on the American version of The Office. Jan? Yes. Uh, Michael's ex-girlfriend, who was also the head of the company. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, That's totally. so random. Yeah. Also, his wife is Diane Hardin, who okay. is, uh, whose name I've heard a little out here, just because she's like, the most famous like acting teacher. Okay. Like her teachers, her students are like movie stars. Interesting. Like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Heard of him. Hillary Swank. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, she was a karate kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the and the boxing movie. <laughs> oh, my 
oh boy. Gosh. Yeah, she was in the Karate Kid 4 and also that boxing movie where someone also got an Academy boxing. Award. <laughs> where she hit her head. Oh, Chad Lowe's ex-wife. Or something. Right. Okay. Right? Someone hits their head. <laughs> yeah, she, she hit her head. And dies, right? Yes. Oh, did. actually, she, I don't yeah. know how it ends. You don't know how it ends? Please, nobody spoil a... Million, uh, million Dollar Baby for that's you? That's it. Million Dollar Baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you do, don't tweet the ending of Million Dollar Baby <laughs> at Johnny Marbles. No H. <laughs> And don't invite Russ over to watch TV shows with you that have <laughs> a complex narrative. Because <laughs> apparently he thinks everything's dancing with the stars. Oh, my God. So uh, No, I mean, the guy's up. just an old character. Like, he's been in everything. Yeah, like, like you yeah. said. Uh, oh, he was in The Firm. That, uh, that's one of my favorite movies. Okay. Well, that's an exaggeration, but it, I like that movie a lot. Lots to like about The Firm. Big Trouble in Little China. In the 1941, which I've never seen, but isn't that Spielberg or something? So that's kind of cool. It is. It is Spielberg's, uh, one of his worst, I believe. I have oh, not cool. seen it either, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But you know what? If you're working on it, you probably don't feel that. Well, sometimes sure. you do. Uh, and then he just had a lot of stints on TV shows. Like, you know, four episodes here, six episodes here, one episode here. Yeah. He's a good old-fashioned LA character actor. Love it. Yeah. And oh, here he but, plays Al. And he's so, so he comes in and uh, oh, we'll just Al- play the clip. <laughs> Yeah, Al's bit. Go ahead. Sorry I'm late. This city is the worst. Al's the director of tourism for New York. Say, so you're the reason I can never get a cab, huh? The extra dollars that tourism brings in more than makes up for any inconvenience of its citizens. Oh, no. That goes without saying, because I was just not a tourist. Yeah, his bit is that he's um, very toned down. Yeah, you can't tell whether he's excited or miserable. Right, which sounds simple mm-hmm. and is the funniest thing in the it's world. It's so funny. He, he is so good. He's so weird in yes. this role. Yes. He somehow makes the the game of being like a monotone character mm-hmm. the most colorful <laughs> version yeah. of that. He really does. It's really, really funny. Oh, it's also. Good, like, yeah. he, he, he does such a great job with this role. I felt like he... Uh, like the role may have been written for him. Oh, maybe. Like I'm sure. I, like I'm sure that it wasn't. I'm sure he's just a good actor. But like I could see like Steve Paymer just writing this and just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna get Harden in here. I see. Yeah, hard. Right, 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 right. Uh, and he just keeps mentioning it all the time. Oh, yeah. we got my friend. My friend Jerry Harden's gonna. I, I think he's gonna play the part. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, if I had my wish list, Jerry Harden playing Al, top of it. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> And he was right because yeah. this is one of my favorite guest performances on the show so far. He, he crushes it. And it's actually great. of all time on any show, I think, sitcom-wise. It's pretty great. He um, starts off, he gets in, and he says, I'm sorry I'm late. This city is the worst. And yeah. Jamie just responds, Al's the head of the tourism board. Right. <laughs> oh, also he makes that point, which I always make, which is the inconveniences of tourism are worth the money they get, it provides to the city. Yeah. I'm always yeah, yelling that's... at New Yorkers. About that, because they're always walking around everywhere, Times Square. Every day. Oh, I'm so sick. Oh, tourists are so annoying. Oh, I can't walk to my thing faster. Oh, they hold hands and block the sidewalk. Oh, they don't know how to get a cab. Oh, they don't know how anything works. It's like, oh, are you kidding? You want to live in a city where no one wants to go? Have fun. That's the price you pay for living in the greatest city in the world. Yeah. USA. USA. Well, New York USA. City. New York City. <laughs> Make New York City great again. Says John Marbley's red hat. Yeah, we all know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I'm glad this man's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so JV uh, asks, 
Jamie asks Al to let Paul know what he's thinking, like what is what he's looking for as a client. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Al, do you want to fill Paul in on your concept? <clears throat> Excitement, energy, sizzle. Can you give me sizzle? C could you be more specific? Not really, no. <laughs> Oh, that sizzle line is funny. Oh, boy. It's so, so simple, but you guys see what we mean. He's, He's doing so much with so little. Very, very little. It's great. Uh, and Paul makes like a very solid pitch, I feel like. Sure. He and says it's what fun he wants to, to see do. him. What? Yeah, he says what he wants to do. Here's how I see it. Here's and it's fun to see him it. work. Yeah. Like, it's fun we, to see we, Paul in work mode the whole episode. We see more of it. Yeah, the whole time. So. Uh, Jamie Jamie wants to press press on with things and uh, and show off Paul by saying. Oh, uh, wait, before talk that. about. Oh, go ahead. I maybe this didn't hit you as hard as it hit me, but the noise that Al makes when he's considering what Paul has said. Brilliant work. Well, we don't want anything too brilliant. We want to appeal to Mr. and Mrs. America. Well, that's that's understood. That's why I really think that my concept will appeal to everybody because it's about people. You really think that's the best point for selling the city? I uh, I do. I really do. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know. Nope, didn't hit me hard at all. Oh, my. Are you kidding? <laughs> when he's just like, <laughs> Like, it's crazy. And his fingers are doing, like, a crazy, like, like, just, like, bending in a weird way. Like, he's mulling it out. Like, really? Oh, John, boy. John, can you do me a favor? Yeah? Could you make that noise again? Yeah. No, actually. <laughs> no, I can't. I would, but I clearly can't. Your doing the noise made me appreciate the noise in the episode more. Well, that so happens a job. lot on the show. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Jamie, Jamie is pitching Paul, and she says that she's very happy that Woody Allen once commented on his work. Tell me what Woody Allen said about your work. Woody, go on. Don't be humble. Fine, I'll tell him. Woody Allen said, wow. <laughs> Woody Allen never says things like that. No, you know what? He he, uh, he really enjoyed that film I, I did on Paramecium. <laughs> yes, I think that was it. Yes, he was talking to a very good friend of Estes Kefauver. <laughs> wow. And uh, Paul's not up. Uh, Paul, Paul, I guess, can see into the future and knows that a Woody Allen plug is not the best thing right now. Well, this is this this is being written literally as the trial's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, uh, yeah, he really enjoyed that film on Paramecium. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was uh, talking yeah, to Estes Kefauver. Really, really, really funny. <sighs> so, yeah, that's that's a whole bunch of fun. And then Al is on board. I love that Al's just like, you know what, Jamie? I trust you. Yep. And whatever you say goes. Yeah. If you say he's the guy, then he's the guy. Yeah. Shakes Paul's hand, says, welcome aboard. Let's have a few laughs. Yeah. Which is <laughs> the best possible outline oh, for this Steve. guy. Oh, Steve. Steve Pamer. And then we go to commercial. Uh, we come back. Scene three. We're on the set of I Still Love New York. Yep. And it is Paul's a... wearing glasses. I know. For what? I don't know. He can't. He, he, the the better to see the actors with, my dear. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. And I was like, for the color, mate, like, because because he's filming. So I'm like, does he just walk around with slightly blurry vision normally? Who can know? It's, it's yeah. Very, it's an. Because they're also choice. not reading glasses because he just has no. them on. 
No, these are maybe. I'll bet. You know what? I'll bet that he. This is a thing that he does to try to get respect. Maybe. Yeah. It could that be. That could be a thing. The set also looks very nineties. Very nineties. It's got that neon. Those neon light bars. <laughs> this is very confusing because. Every single thing they said they were going to do and wanted to do about it's going to be a documentary goes completely out the window for the actual shoot. Gosh, Russ, I can't believe I didn't think that. You didn't? I I was so enamored by the ad they went with. I can't believe you didn't think that. Do you know, do you remember who was coming out of that cab? Well, okay. So, okay. Yeah, sure. So, just to paint a picture for everyone, we're on a soundstage. There's a New York City taxi cab on the soundstage. There's a bunch of crazy neon lights behind it. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of actors milling around in different New York archetypal costumes like Phantom of the Opera, New York cab driver, etc. Yeah, there's there's Phantom of the Opera. There's a person dressed like Cosette from Les Mis. There's a person in a cat costume from Cats. Right, so they went with the Broadway angle. You no, know, you're right. I Wow, you are so right. For the real gritty documentary wow. ad, it's just all New York tourism. It's all Broadway, and it's flashy Broadway. Right, and it's not even like a joke that they didn't listen to him because right. this, this scene has many moments where they don't listen to him and it's an issue. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, he signed off this far. Yeah, yeah. In a few minutes, a guy's going to show up in a big apple costume dressed in a gigantic (laughs) apple. That he takes issue with. Yeah, and that is over the line for him. He's like, no, this is hacky. Apples? No way. (laughs) Well, no. Let's get let's get Mr. Mistopheles back back to one, please. Listen, I think (laughs) I think it's a great ad. I do. Um. So, well, we'll get to what the ad is, I guess. But it's fun to see Paul like. He's on like the little camera thingy yeah. that whirls, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jamie's in the video village watching the monitor. Yeah. And he comes over to her. What? You're good. Hey, what are you just finding this out? How was I supposed to know? Because I keep telling you. I, think I told you it'd be fun to work together, wasn't I right? Can I be honest? This has been like the longest month of my life. <laughs> it's been five days. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> She, I feel like, is pretty impressed. She's really impressed. Pretty turned on. Yeah, she says, you're good. Yeah, like she's into it. Yeah. It's pretty Uh, fun. Uh, We get a, uh, she's, but also, yeah, she's she's excited. He's not so excited, even though he's doing it. Correct. Yeah. She she says, isn't this fun? He says, this is the longest month of my life. She says, it's been five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul drops in a, this is what I'm saying. Um, Uh, Beautifully. Uh, Jamie calls him sweetie. mm Mm-hmm. Not into it. Not into it. Trying to maintain an air of professionalism. Correct. Which um, is what the glasses are. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would have loved for him to be like, honey, I'm wearing glasses. Will you please calm yeah, down? Right, right. <laughs> uh, so she's picking out. She calls him over because she's picking out lunch. for. This was a little weird, too. But she's picking out lunch for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's like, oh, that's sweet. And she, this no one laughed at. I thought it was very funny. She's yeah. like, I'm, I'm getting lunch. He goes, that's sweet. She goes, Ugh, labor laws. Yeah. You ha- we have to. We are bound. <laughs> I feel like it just happened too fast, maybe, for the audience. Yeah, I don't know. It's a quick one. It's just the, it's, she gets to be cold, hard business, Jamie, the whole episode. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they start doing a classic Mad About You food decision. Wait, 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 you order me from? Chinese place across the street. Ooh, I don't know. Bright lights, sweet and sour shrimp. Could be very ugly. <laughs> hey, you know what? 
the pizza. I'm thinking pizza. We had that last night. You want Indian? Nah, curry makes my hair sweat. Well, here, you pick something. No, you know, whatever you want, I'm easy. And gosh, this guy loves pizza. Loves it. They he had it last who does, night. He doesn't love pizza. Yeah. John, come on. Are you telling me you haven't had pizza for night for dinner one night and then wanted pizza for lunch the next day? Uh, uh um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's the perfect, it's the perfect food. But not often. I, uh, you, not often. Here's, here's something about me. Um, two things about me. I, uh, I love pizza more at this point in my life than I ever have in any other point in my life, including when I was a kid. That's bizarre. Well, he, part two makes it even more bizarre because I have been saying that for the past four years of my life, and I have meant it every time. So this this enjoyment of pizza is just continuing to in, in, increase, and in, it's on a steady incline. Wow. Yeah. One of these days, as my grandmother would put it, I'm going to turn into a pizza. That's what I was hoping she was going to say. <laughs> Um, curry makes my hair sweat. Yep. Can't do it. Don't know what that means. It's a funny thing. Uh, so Paul, he's basically fine with, isn't he like fine with whatever she decides or something? Yeah. Yeah. And he kisses her on the cheek and then she's yes, like, whoa, she's whoa, whoa. Not having it. Yeah. Do not do that to me in front of these people. Right, right, right. And then we get that great moment where Paul calls for that everyone to take it from the top and the man wearing a gigantic apple and tights mm-hmm. and a beret. Mm-hmm. He's the fruit of the loom apple, basically. <laughs> yes. He walks over, and Paul is not... And he asks, where should I stand? Where do you want me? <laughs> Wait, Wait a second. I'm sorry. What, are you with the show? Yes, 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 he is. I ordered him. For what? It's the big apple. Well, I, I mean, I get the symbolism, as subtle as it is. It was Al's idea. Well, it's Al's very bad idea. I'm going for a realistic thing well, here. let's just put him in the background. No, I don't do background. I went to Juilliard with Robin Williams. <laughs> Honey. Listen, I... Al, Al wants him in. You can go to makeup. <laughs> Paul is not into it. Not having it. I also love, though, that he went to, like, the way he says he went to Juilliard with Robin Williams mm-hmm. is so weird and specific. And, like, it's like, okay, maybe this is just growing up. You hit an age and suddenly you're aware of things. But don't you feel like there was a period where people were talking about how Robin Williams went to Juilliard a lot? Probably, it, it, I'm sure it comes up. Yeah, it comes up all the time. Because he's not the only the person you think of about Juilliard. You know, no, but he's he's the only uh, professional comedian. Yeah, I guess so. He's he's the he's the funniest person to ever go. Definitely, to definitely. And so when you learn that he went to Juilliard, you can't believe it. But also, this guy's the most serious actor. Absolutely, and he cites. It's just funny to me. It's funny to me too. I I'm like, hey, did they ever teach you at Juilliard that uh, if you're the background, you don't get to talk back to the director? <laughs> that never came up. Uh, if the I, director tells you to do background, you do background, and uh, this is grounds for dismissal right now. I mean, I'd want to be dismissed. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I had to put this whole stupid apple on to stand in the background. <laughs> Because that's not the gig he signed up for. Well, what did he sign up for? What are his I lines? think to be a principal. You think he got lines cut? I don't know if he had lines cut, but at least he was supposed to be like featured. You know what I mean? Okay. Because Al, because they <laughs> went behind his back. You think he's supposed to get hit by the cab that's, yeah. <laughs> driven, that's driven by the Phantom of the Opera? Yes. <laughs> or fall on it and crush it. That sounds like a dateline. Big Apple. Apple hit, hit by, by cab. cab. It does. Driven by Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> 
Phantom crushes <laughs> fruit on 45th yeah. Street. New York's <laughs> biggest apple, the Big Apple's <laughs> biggest apple, sits atop the Candied Apple Company at 8910 East 48th Street. Okay, that's good. Now do it like it's uh now do it like it's gritty, <laughs> like it's an expose. <laughs> I don't do expose work. <laughs> oh, so so basically this apple was shoved in there by the client. Right. So Paul starts getting a little irritated. Yeah. <laughs> it's his this is still clearly his vision. Alan Paul, yeah, Alan Paul both want creative control. Yeah. Listen. I would never have done this if I didn't think that I had complete creative control. You do have complete creative control, as long as it doesn't conflict with Al's complete creative control. All right, but in the end, I mean, I, I have final decision, do I not? Right, because you're the one signing the checks. I, I don't sign the checks. He signs the checks. Oh, then I guess it's his decision. I love how Jamie handles them. Mm-hmm. She tricks him with her little circular logic again. Yep. And concludes that basically, as anyone would expect, no one cares about the artist's vision. Right. And Al's got the money. Al gets to make the final decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she, she's right in that respect. Yeah. Well. And, uh, oh, also, he. Uh, did you catch the Paul culture Miss Stemple? No. Yeah. That's was, cute. Uh, that's, that's in a moment. I'm sorry, because she goes over and uh, she's watching the dailies. With a, a a guy from work, is it Kenny? Is that his name? Oh, right. That hasn't happened yet. I don't think that hasn't happened yet. That's about to happen. I believe. Yes, yes. And I think I now that you've said it, I can. You know what? I can hear it in my head. I don't know if I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Uh, so there'll yeah. be a, a serial season three. Will be about whether or not I remembered. <laughs> I can't wait till tune yeah. in. <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be better than season two. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, certainly, um, uh, certainly more important. <laughs> Um, so, oh, so so Paul wants to run the run the ad again and do mm-hmm. a take. I think this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is to me, unless you were already clear on this, this is to me where the premise of the ad became clear. Uh, it was not yet clear to me, and either. I fell in love yeah. with it. Yeah, basically everyone. I think this ad is a New York City cab has various New York characters just pouring out of it like a clown cab. Right, that's pretty fun. And they're all waving at the camera. Uh, <laughs> Russ is not impressed. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I'll be honest. I, I thought when you were saying like this is when I got it. I was just like, oh, John's going to unlock this hidden meaning for me, and suddenly I'm going to appreciate it. And then you're just like, so all these people, all these things were in a cab, and then they got out of it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm like, oh, that's what I thought. All right. No, no, but but that there's too many. That it's like a clown cab. <laughs> they, they, clearly both sides of the cab are open but one's masked and there's just people funneling through it uh you know what you're right i'm sorry i forgot it's hilarious <laughs> you would hate the circus i would hate the circus so while while he's trying to shoot this uh he looks over and he sees jamie is uh yeah she's watching the dailies mm-hmm. and she's with the uh four guys from work mm-hmm. some clients some co-workers yep and uh this guy, Kenny's got his arm around Jamie. Yeah. And Paul uh, takes exception with that. He's not having it. No, but also, what are you doing, Kenny? I don't know. I simply don't know. I've well, had he's, very he's, close he... friends at work, mm-hmm. like female friends. Like when I was mm-hmm. like 23. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're like young and everything's who cares? Yeah. And even then, I, who puts their arm around? Like, that's crazy, unless you're yeah. a creep. Yeah, this is where it should be like, 
we could we would be justified in taking a 180 and being like oh this is the episode where yeah uh, right where, where jamie has to the, deal with a gross coworker. yeah and that and or that we learned that jamie is having an affair with kenny because that's how she's that's how he's handling this right right just right like, or yeah. like he doesn't even know she's married. Yeah, all of us, yeah, that could be the rest of this episode. It's just Paul goes home, and instead, you know, instead in a moment they're going to be fun and silly, and it could just be what's with that guy? What is he doing? Yeah. I want names. Let well, me. <laughs> but even though, even if it's like a platonic armor on the shoulder, mm-hmm. to me that's still weird to do at work. Sure, but she treats it well. She treats it. She treats it a little like it's more platonic than not. Mm-hmm. But also, she calls him a pig. Which yes. makes me feel like it's not platonic at all. That's true, too. Uh, I like that this show constantly shows all of her male coworkers to be disgusting idiots. Real jerks, yeah. Yeah, because I think Kenny that's and, probably very true. Kenny and Lester can go pound sand. Yeah. Ugh. It's, ugh. Gross. Being a female executive, especially in yeah. the 90s, but yeah. anytime, is a nightmare. Yeah, let us tell you what it's like, yeah. you guys. Le- yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. It's not this out of me telling anyone. It's this out of me understand coming to understand more and acknowledge it more deeply. I'm I'm busting chops. Yes. Well, uh, you know, uh, everyone are... knows at this point. Russ and I get very neurotic about what we should should say about these issues. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't <laughs> want to get yelled at on the internet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, no, yellow. Everyone tweeted yellow, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Paul's. Uh, grossed out and annoyed and uh jamie's like oh that's kenny whatever and then al comes over yep and he's not happy al i think it's going really well i'm really jazzed about this i'm not happy boy what's wrong i told you no homeless she's not homeless she's she's in les mis i don't care she's a downer she's out no problem she's out now I'm jazzed. <laughs> he thinks so. The Cosetti thinks is a homeless person. Just unbelievable. <laughs> I told yeah. You told me no homeless people. Yeah, and then Jamie yeah. refers. Well, well, Jamie goes sides with Al immediately. Yes, yes, because it's his dime. Because the customer's always right. Yeah, yeah. So Al basically calls out Cosette as a homeless person, and she runs yep. off crying. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so because she's been fired. And mm-hmm. Paul, uh, Paul's getting a little annoyed now, and he confronts Jamie about it. You don't do that. What? You don't get rid of one of my cast without consulting me. Oh. This is my shoot. No, it's our shoot. I thought we just cleared that up. Well, I, listen, I don't work like that. What is the big deal? It's it, one lousy urchin. You didn't I, even like Les Mis. <laughs> I was resting my eyes. You were snoring. You know, it's, it's, it is really nice how we get to spend this time together. It is. You can do this without that urchin. I... You know, I, can't, I don't know. I gotta, now i got to rethink this whole thing here because... Why are you being just, so difficult? <laughs> I'm difficult? Yes, they're saying you're difficult. Oh, yeah? Would you like to know what they're saying about you? What? You know everyone calls you? You know what they call you? Dragon Lady. Who? Everyone. I want names. Yeah, well, you got a name. Dragon Lady. That's just so unfair. Crush them like insects. I don't work like that, which is very, you know, for someone who thinks Paul's pretty cool, very cool to hear him say that. (laughs) 
Also, Jamie says the word urchin a lot in this a scene. A lot. A lot of urchin talk. As um, though it were a more popular word than it actually is. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or like she's trying, it's like fetch in Mean Girls. Like she's trying to make urchin happen. Stop trying to make urchin happen. Yeah. Uh, and they and she she points out to Paul that uh, people are calling him difficult. Yep, and he's not having that. No, and he tells her that they're calling her Dragon Lady, and she's really not having that. Yeah, which at least what I like it like sh- sh- they make her a Dragon Lady in this episode. Yes, which is fun. Sure, but also absolutely. it's like at least it's not just like she gets things done, so she's a Dragon Lady. You know what I mean? Right. She's also sure. like. A little over the top. She can, uh, yes, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like uh, I would call if if she was a guy, I'd call him a, a dragon. Though that's <laughs> yes. wow, so you see, yeah, that's you a double would, C. Yeah, you would. It you should is, call her yeah. just a dragon, oh, no, but, though, not a dragon yeah, lady. Yeah, dragon. Oh, dragons have to be gendered. I get it. John, no, it's you're true the worst, though. You're the worst person I can think of. No, but that's true. <laughs> it's true. It speaks to something deeper that I didn't know was there. You're absolutely right. We're learning about ourselves here. Oh uh, yeah, and it's, but. <laughs> Jamie, look, you know, we could defend or not defend her actions as much as we want. She says this thing, which is wonderful, but also indicates she may be a bit of a dragon lady. Uh She says, that's just so unfair. I'll crush them like insects. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, she's not saying that's so unfair. I'm the boss or I'm just normal or I'm just doing my job. She's like, no, I will destroy these people. (laughs) It's so I just love that. I just love that we get a character like this who's like a cold. She's, I mean, she's not Donald Trump per se, but like, no, she's that's the wrong comparison. But she's just like a tough, yeah. <laughs> aggressive. She's prof- business person. She's pro- she's professional. She knows what's up. She knows what she wants. She's not afraid to get it, and she's yeah, she'll get it done any way she has to. Yeah, basically, it's great. Yeah, and then and Paul's having a rough time with it. Because then Paul says, honey, paramecium. Yeah. yeah. Big ones <laughs> yeah. all over the place. <laughs> oh, it is a great scene. Yeah. And uh, that takes us out. And yeah, a lot of long shots in that scene. Oh, I'm sure Bart. I'm sure. I'm sure the, the OBK was right at home. <laughs> oh, Burger King. He was like, oh, served- now we're shooting the TV studio again. <laughs> Burger King served up quite a whopper on this one. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been waiting to squeeze that one in? Oh, man. What are we at? Uh, four hours today? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not even at two. Okay. Um, so we get back to the apartment, and it is time for dinner, and they are having a rough time having a conversation. Yes. Yes. They're Also, they're drinking beer, I think. Yeah. Jamie's Which, having a beer. Wh- Jamie's I mean, beer. it must have been a crazy day for these, rough day. these two teetotalers to bust out any alcohol. <laughs> In fact, it, I was like, are they drinking Perrier? No, it's was my beer. first thought. And then I was like, oh, That's no. Funny. Wow, good for no. them. Yeah. I'm sure it's like yeah. half beer, half water. Well, it's also, right, yeah. Yeah, That's funny. give me a beer with a little water. Little water. They're, um, It's funny because, you know, I was thinking about the beginning of the episode and Paul's just like, look at all of the great food that I made. Right. And now they're having Chinese out of the cartons yeah. and a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But that's very romantic. For sure. And charming. Uh, and, and they decide no shop talk at dinner. And Jamie's got, they've got nothing to say to each other. There are big old gaps in conversation. Oh, my God. Have we run out of conversation? <laughs> what do you mean? 
I mean, do we have nothing to talk about? This isn't supposed to happen for another 40 years. <laughs> we got plenty to talk about. All right, then talk about something. You know who I can't stand? No work. It's uh, airline hijackers. <laughs> I mean, they're just, they're so obnoxious, don't you think? You know, 250 people want to go to Rome. Who are they to make them go to Libya? That's just wrong. I mean, that freaks me out as much as it freaks Jamie out sometimes. Sure. And I'm trying, you know, I tr as an adult, I try to get used to it and understand that uh, it's not uh, it's not the red flag that uh, pop TV has led us to believe it is. No, I, I agree. And I also had big trouble with that. But yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's chill. It's okay. Like in, what is it, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Uh, I haven't he, seen that in quite a while, but go ahead. Well, he looks at the two diners at the restaurant and there's voiceover and it's like, I never want to be that couple that has nothing to say to each other at dinner or something. Mm -hmm. And I just remember seeing that when I was, I don't know, in college, I was like, oh my, like it just oh, makes it yeah, seem like, oh worst gosh, thing. kill yourself. Yeah. And it's like, take it easy. Yeah. You, you spend nonstop time together. Yeah. 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 That, that's, yes. <laughs> that is very immature thinking. Yes. And I'm as immature as Jamie is in this scene. For sure. Also, a hijacker joke just cannot be made anymore. <laughs> nope. Paul saying, know what I can't stand. Jamie says, no work talk. Paul says, is airline hijackers. That won't fly. No pun intended. That was unfortunate what I just did. Oh, uh, <laughs> I jet That was real, guys. I'm really sorry. That was not supposed to happen. I like when they're real. <laughs> I, I like genuine, no pun, puns that aren't intended. Because I think they're fun. Uh, gen genuine, no pun intended. I, uh, I'll, I'll buy that T-shirt from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jamie, the, the dinner sort of like hits a wall. And Jamie yes. very sweetly kisses him on the forehead and is like, I'm going to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get to hang out with Paul a little alone. He takes yep. like, another shrimp. It does not go well. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes to the bedroom, I guess, to see what's up. And she yep. comes walking back out with a book. Mm -hmm. And it's just, what I love is just, this is just like a minute of silence yes. between the two of them. Like, just behaving. Just Paul slowly following Jamie around the apartment. Yeah. So then she takes the book and goes into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's trying not to follow her, I feel like. Yep. But he doesn't know what else to do, so he picks up mm -hmm. the dirty plates and goes in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she comes right back out. Plus, there's that weird thing where it's just like, are we, do, do we want to talk? Do you right. not want to <laughs> What's right. the right thing for me to do right now? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so he follows her in. Yeah. And she walks out of the kitchen. And he comes back out, and mm -hmm. she's by the window. Where are you going now? Uh, nowhere. I just thought I'd sit on the fire escape for a while. We don't have a fire escape. I know. <laughs> I, I just need a little space. What are you angry about? Oh, I'm not angry. I I'm not. I I I'm just sick of the sight of you. <laughs> Okay, that's better. No, no, no. It's just been too much. Too much what? You, me, us, together. You. Okay. You know, no, no, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. We don't have to be in separate rooms. Let's just not talk, okay? Okay, fine. So I'll, I'll be right here. Okay. And I'll be not talking. Okay. She needs, she just needs some alone time. Going to the fire escape that yeah. we don't have. That's a really funny joke. Also, I would be too terrified to do anything on a fire escape in New York, especially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
My coworker almost died. Oh, jeez. Well, I I don't know, died, but like would have been roughed up because we we had a big party. We were at a, I went to the startup in Soho, beautiful mm-hmm. old old loft on Broadway in Spring. Yeah, and uh, you know we were having the party, so the windows were open, and he was like, "I'm gonna go outside and you know look at Broadway." <laughs> With a beer, and yeah. he walks up one step and it gives out under him. <gasps> I know it's terrifying. He was pretty shaken up for the rest of the night. Holy cow! Yeah, you know it's like on the third floor, but that that's enough. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Mm-hmm. So those uh those old fire escapes are terrifying. Yeah, don't go on them. Yeah, don't go on them to read. <laughs> just deal with your uh, partner. <laughs> yeah, just, just have a conversation or don't have a conversation. Yeah. Don't uh, read outside. <laughs> So she sits on the love seat, love seat with a book, right. and uh, Paul goes down to their second hideous couch right. with his own book. <laughs> yeah, Jamie it, says, "I'm not angry. I'm just sick of the sight of you." Yeah, <laughs> right. And they just they just want to read silently. That's what she needs, which is great. That's great. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And he's on board. Yeah. He gets his book. Yeah. And he sits down, you know, he lays down, he puts his filth, he doesn't take his shoes off, which I think yeah, is crazy. Yeah, I noticed that too. You're disgusting, yeah. you monster. Yeah. Also, how does he grow up in the house with those parents that we meet later and not not also be repulsed by what he's doing? Inexcusable. Unless it's an act of rebellion, in which case, find some other way. Get a tattoo. Take your shoes off when Wait, you're on the couch. The two, the two Jewish mother homes we grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. both this upset. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. No, it's disgusting. I, <laughs> in my notes, I literally wrote and puts his filthy shoes on the couch. <laughs> we should have started here. Yeah. Just been like, okay, cold open, Monopoly, cold open over. Uh, yeah. Paul puts his disgusting feet on the couch with his shoes on. Uh, yeah. So they both settle into their books and Jamie... <laughs> Jamie asks him, uh, what's she asking what he's reading? Yes. She's she's, she asks, she's just asking questions. Yeah. What are you reading? <laughs> a book. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> See, we can be in the same room and not talk. Look at us. We're doing it right now. <laughs> I don't know where this myth comes from. The married couples have to keep talking to each other all the time or it means there's something wrong. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong. We're not talking. We're doing just great. Why are you ignoring me? Um, (laughs) I'm not. You said you didn't want to talk. So now you're mad? No, I'm not. I'm respecting your wishes. Okay, thank you. I just think it's remarkable. The why you are ignoring me is very funny. Yes. Very sweet. The phone rings. Perfect Steve Pamer. Yeah, yes. Steve Pamer is so good at setting something up. I mean, that's joke writing, I guess, but like, they're just so old fashioned in the best way. Yeah, he's really, really funny. He's also good at setting up. I think I've, I think any description I'm about to say is just what a joke is. So never mind. OK. <laughs> yeah, the phone rings and they both sprint they both for it. Attack it. Hello. Hi, what's going on? Uh, no, no, it's not a bad time at all. Who is it? Time life operator. <laughs> you forget it. I, no, no, I'm very interested in gunslingers of the old west. Don't hang up. I want to talk to him when you're through. Yeah. Oh, they are, they are sick of each other. 
Yeah. I love the idea of Jamie wanting to talk after Paul's done. Right. <laughs> like, cause you don't even, I mean, you, you like when he's talking to them, she keeps reaching for the phone. Like, give it to yeah. me. Give it to yeah, me. Yeah. It's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, so then we cut to back at Farrar Gantz. Yeah. Cut and back this, to the, here's a little room. anal thing I did. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. I instinctively immediately. So, we, you know, it starts with an exterior of the building. Mm-hmm. And it's being shot from a building that's across the street. And I immediately recognize the pillars in the shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the lipstick building on Third Avenue. And it's called that because it looks like a giant tube of lipstick. I do not know this building. Oh, it's it's on 53rd and uh, 3rd. It's a great looking building. It's fun. And it's easy to remember, you know, because it it is what it looks like. It was completed in 1986. 34 stories. Architected by Phil Johnson and John Berge. So anyway, I went to Google, you know, whatever it's called, where you look at the streets like a lunatic again. And identifies a Ferrari Gantz. Appears to be at 866 3rd Avenue, which is now a courtyard. <laughs> I love this. And really? honestly, it probably was then, which is why they cropped the bottom out of the shot. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be a cover. I don't know. Or for Ferrari Gantz meets in hotel conference rooms <laughs> instead of their own. You think it's a front? Yeah. I think she's in the CIA. <laughs> So they're back in there. Paul has done a great job. Yes. Oh, and he's playing uh, with the toy, with the office toys again like crazy. Yes, he is. Yes. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Jamie is like, I loved your film. Everyone loved the film. Yeah. And then he gets classic, it's, typical artist. He's like, is it as good as Citizen Kane? Yeah, Citizen Kane, great. She says, not that great. Like, well, yeah. to be fair, that was an unfair comparison. He said. Yeah, right? so. <laughs> he put so it out Al- there, and then he tones it yeah. down. Uh, so Al comes in. Yep. Look at me, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> of course, I was a little worried at first. I know, but we got it done, and that's what counts. Uh, you're a good team. In fact, I've been authorized to hire you to shoot our next five spots. How do you like them big apples? The next five spots, that's incredible. That is incredible. Incredibly, he's unavailable. Yes? Who is? You are? Is there some way we can work around this? Uh, well, well that, that depends. You're not uh, holding out for more money, are no, you? No, 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 no. It's, it's nothing like that. It's just that he has to get to work on his next film. On what? Esti Scafaver. <laughs> Classic Al joke. Great. Classic Al joke. People are going to be talking about this Al joke for time immemorial. Uh, he wa- I mean, he wants, he wants them to direct... What five more? Five more commercials. Yeah, yeah, and the tables have turned, and I, it's so perfect too, because like this is exactly what any filmmaker didn't want to do it would do, because all artists want val- is validation. Sometimes they want validation, and, and they want consistent yeah. work, right? And, and so they're Paul saying, gets so excited. He's like, yeah. oh wow, five, wow, cool. Yeah, and Jamie immediately says, uh, "Turn him down." And she uses uh, SD. Yeah, <laughs> SDs again. He has to work on his next film on Estes Scafari. <laughs> uh, so uh, she she sort of asks Al to like leave them alone for a minute yep. to discuss. Yeah. Uh, because Al's very forceful and he's like, listen, I want you to work on this. Mm-hmm. Make it happen, Jamie. Like he's pretty, mm-hmm. he, really, he really puts his foot down. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. he does. And Jamie just explains 
you know, I love you, and uh, this was a really hard week. This was a bad idea. It was your idea. It was my bad idea. But look, the film came out great. It, it did, it did. I didn't. I, I'm a wreck, aren't you? I'm, I'm a little dented, maybe. And I, I missed you this week. We were together every minute. I know I didn't have time to think about you, to miss you. I missed missing you. I, I, I have such a headache now. <laughs> I, I think we just blended our lives a little too much. You think? I think we overblended. I think we may have pureed. It's just not healthy to be together 24 hours a day. How do you think Steve and Edie do it? Really, they're the exception. Hmm. So, so in other words... You were right. But, but, but more importantly... I was wrong. There you go. <laughs> and he makes her admit she was wrong. Oh, it's so good. Explicitly. Yeah. Not just you were right, but yeah. more importantly, I was wrong. Oh, <laughs> which is so petty, but he's so satisfied. Shock one up for Paul. But she's also so the same. It's the same attitude that she brought into this whole thing to begin with. She like she's looking at it. She's like, I see exactly what happened. Yep. I'm not gonna mince words. I'm not gonna like try and weasel out. Of, like, no, you're mm-hmm. right. I was wrong. Yep. Moving on. Yes. Moving on. Uh, he references Stephen Edie. I'm assuming you knew exactly who that was. I do. I looked him up. <laughs> okay. For those who Steve don't Lawrence, know. Edie Gourmet. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, they kept their name <laughs> even though they were a married band? I mean, she kept uh, her name? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, well, not funny. Listen, anyone can do whatever they want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care. No, you're but right. Lucy and Desi. Don't worry. Don't worry. A man, John Marbley, has given everybody the right oh, gosh. to... <laughs> Uh, (laughs) he signed uh, off on any woman being able to keep her name if she wants don't worry no i didn't i signed off on those two (laughs) oh man um yeah Um, no you're right lucy and desi fair mm -hmm. but in the reality of i love lucy lucy and ricky ricardo that yes that is true but also she needs his name i think because McGillicuddy is a horrible last name if you want to be in show business. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, so uh, we end on uh, Paul and Jamie. Oh, they uh, razz each other. Yeah, complaining to the other about their day like they said they were going to. I just, I really miss coming home and complaining to you about my day. Well, I miss that too. Especially this week. Cause, oh, man, did I tell you about this dragon lady I worked for? No, did I tell you about this director I hired? What a prima donna. Oh, oh man, God. you hate that, right? Because you're trying to suck up to the client. All right, all right, all right. And a guy right, like right. that. <laughs> I do love a good day complaint to a for sure. romantic partner. Lovely. That a is lovely... a big part of relationships. Yes. Yeah, it is. And that's a lovely wrap-up for yeah. the, the meat of the episode. So the tag. The tag. The tag. Big, big time tag. They're playing Monopoly because this show loves a good full circle. Mm-hmm. As do people. Yeah. <laughs> and we just get to see them play Monopoly. Yep. And, and she's crushing him again. She's beating him again or still. Who knows? Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, he rolls uh, twice in a row. Yep. And because uh, it's his board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, he lands on St. Charles Place, which has a hotel. So she's mm-hmm. like, you owe me money. So she starts futzing around with her stuff, with yep. her money and, you know, everything. Yep. And then Paul picks up a community chess card. 
unprompted. Look at this. Community chest. You got a movie of the week. That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And Jamie, or really Helen Hunt, uh-huh. loses yeah. it. Yeah. She loses she it. She falls over. Laughing hysterically. Yeah. And the audience, because, too. Yeah. Paul Reiser has, uh, uh, yeah, has zinged Helen Hunt about getting a movie of the week. Uh, do you think and, they were like, guys, just play Monopoly for the tag. We're going to shoot it for a few minutes. Yeah, probably. Just they, they probably. I'm wondering if this was also part of the original, like if this was all just like, oh, we're going to do, you know, cold open and the tag are just going to be Monopoly. So just figure out, you know, do some do some fun stuff. Right. Or, right, or right, maybe right. or maybe Paul well, just like picked up the, the card and, and, and did that. Uh, yeah, that's what I feel like. Ha- it felt very improvised. It was definitely improvised. He catches her off guard. Yeah. She does not know he's going to say it. No, but I and, mean more improvised than that. Did he know he was going to say it? Oh, probably not. I'll bet, because here's what I'll bet happened. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, lots of times when they do tapings, they'll do discussions with the audience. Right. And my guess is that sometime right around this episode being shot, right. Helen Hunt booked a movie of the week. And they mentioned it in the talk back or something. And then he mentioned it at the thing. Wait, is that not what you were going to talk about? It surely is, John. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like you were saying it like it was incidental. No. no okay, no, no. cool. <laughs> it, it was clear that she got a movie of the week. Yes. And I said, what movie of the week? I'm going and to watch so... it now in its completion. <laughs> no. Yeah, John, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> no. Not really. Yeah, no, is really. It? Yeah, yeah, it really is. You watched the entire movie of the week that Helen Hunt did in 1993? Yeah, sure. I, I sure did. Uh, so, Hey, guys, if you needed to get a refill on the coffee, take a bathroom break, <laughs> you're not going to want to miss this. I'm not going to break it down too much, uh, which is almost sadder because that means it really was just for me. Uh, but uh, Yeah, I no, went, go for I, it. I Googled, I Googled Helen Hunt movie of the week. Good, good. And the top four, well, look, the top four results were, well, the number one result when you Google it is the name In the Company of Darkness. Indeed. Which uh, is can on you do CBS. that again, but more sing-songy and innocuous? In the Company <laughs> of Darkness. Wow. Come see Squash, Tuesday yeah. night. <laughs> um, and so In the Company of Darkness was on CBS. The four, the Fifth hit, by the way, uh-huh. on that Google was the Caltech page, which is because, yeah, they were just like, by the way, the movie of the week referenced here is called In the Company of Darkness. It was on CBS on January I mean, 5th, 1993. Those SC- Listen, rocket scientists know their SEO stuff. They sure do. Because that's the thing about this, John, is that this movie of the week aired on CBS January 5th, 1993. It was on right. the previous week. And it starred yeah. Helen Hunt and Jeff Fahey, who I know also from How Did This Get Made classic movies such as The Lawnmower Man and Body Parts. Really? Yeah. I know he's also on Lost, but I'm only on season two of that show. So I'll get there eventually. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Jeff Fahey's <laughs> in it. Stephen Weber's in it. Stephen Weber has a ridiculous Love Stephen haircut. Weber. Yeah. He's got a, a, a mushroom haircut. 
and he's got an appliance in a dental appliance to give him messed up teeth, which Ay-yi-yi. they refer to. Yeah, the movie was inspired by actual events, and here's how the plot goes. Okay. After young policewoman Gina Pulaski succeeds in handling a domestic fight particularly well, she's added to a small team of detectives assigned to a case of gruesome child killings. She proves herself to be a worthwhile reinforcement by tracking down the prime suspect, a disturbingly smart young man named Kyle Timler, much to the horror of teammate and lover Will McCade. Uh, uh, Pulaski goes undercover to infiltrate in Timler's life, trying to get as close to him as necessary to make him confess his crimes without even noticing it. Wait, what? Basically, it is every oh, horrible. single... What is the summary from? The, that's from IMDb. Not TV Guide. Not TV Guide. Some TV dumb fan guide. wrote that. Yeah, TV Guide would have been in and out. It's the same... It The fact that it is... Insp- this is one of my favorite things that happens in uh, bad movies is Uh that they say inspired by actual events and then they just tell you the most cookie cutter plot of (laughs) anything (laughs) that you've heard a million times Uh, or just like oh a woman went undercover to catch a bad guy and then they caught a bad guy like that's what happens in this movie you're right well (laughs) this is the tv guy description i believe which is longer than we're used to because it is a movie after sure a rookie cop out to prove herself takes a dangerous undercover assignment to get a confession from a suspected sociopath accused of killing two preteen boys. The closer she gets to the roots of his madness, the more she must struggle with her own inner demons. Yeah, it's um, it's Which, kind of... Yeah? It's Silence of the Lambs. It's Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a worse version of Silence of the Lambs. Wait, is Stephen hey. Weber the killer? The yes. sociopath? Yes. <gasps> That's why he has weird teeth. To make yes. him evil. Yes. Because people with dental work are evil. Uh, 100% of them. Yeah. You got a chip on your tooth and you're going to take it out on society. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he he kills these kids and she she gets it. You know, it, she, 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 it's funny because as the movie, look, first of all, this movie was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It really was. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it's well acted. She's very good in it. Right, and Steven Weber's great, and I'm sure Jeff Stephen Fahey's Weber's very great. good. Jeff mean, Fahey yeah. does a great job. It's it's well done. There was a really cool shot in the end after, um, after he, uh, spoiler alert, she catches him, and they arrest him, and she goes to visit him in jail, and you see her. And he throws semen on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's gonna be it for Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> uh, you know what? Forget the shot. The the the, the no, shot no, tell is us, not tell a us, tell us, tell no, us. No, no, the shot. It's it's still like uh, he she he's looking into the glass, and then she comes and she's looking into the glass, and you can see like you see his reflection while looking at her face. So and like their their faces ah. line up with each other. And it's really cool looking. It's like an old it's school very, version of an app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very well done. And but you know, there's also the stuff where at the beginning of the movie, you know, they're like, "Hey, you were you did this bad thing. You did this lousy police work that was not up to snuff. I'm uh-huh. the police chief. Why did you do that? I right. don't think I agree with that." And she just goes, "I don't know. I was just trying to catch bad guys, sir." And he's just like. All right, I like that answer. It's like, <laughs> what do you do? 
on, Isn't that man. the answer everyone gives? Of course it is. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. So how long look, is it? It's an hour and a half. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'd give this three out of four hat squads. So, oh, I mean, I don't know what that means, though. <laughs> I'd say it, give me a Rotten Tomatoes, a Rotten Tomatoes, 65, 65%. OK, OK. Yeah, this that's is pretty good for a TV movie. Perfectly watchable. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because for a long time, it's like watching. It's like just, be, oh, hey, what if Jamie Buckman uh, became a cop? Oh, that's great and weird. Yeah, it's what really are her weird. demons? Uh, you know, they're not very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I watched it. You know, I, mm. I I decided it was enough to half watch most of this movie, and then I reread that, and I was just like, oh, they're talking about her demons. That's right. There are a couple of scenes where they talk about her demons. She has an like, unhealthy me... obsession with the fact that her baked potatoes always come out wet and soggy. <laughs> I'm like, let me watch these demons, and she's just like. Oh yeah, my uh, my parents were divorced, and my dad said he was going to come and pick. <laughs> my dad said he was going to come and pick me up and take me to live with him, and so I waited outside all day, and then he didn't come, and then my mom was mad. Uh, and I'm like, I mean, that's sad, but no, that's sad, but also, yeah. uh, first of all, no, and secondly, when the rest of your movie is so similar to Silence of the Lambs, yeah. you better really bring it with the demons, you know? Yeah. Wait, what are <laughs> Jodie Foster's demons in that movie besides uh, being friends with Mel Gibson? Jk, Jk. <laughs> Oh, well, the lambs. The lambs are screaming. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, there's a. Uh, are the lambs still screaming, Clarice? Oh, right. Do we have. Yeah. Do, does the movie cover that? What they are? Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't yes, remember. Yes, they do. I don't remember. Is that a big part of the movie? Either. And I'm sure. And look, I know. Oh, you is, forgot too. Do, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I like the idea. I like the idea of just him being like quid pro, quid pro quo, Clarice, and her being like, I used to have to deal with lambs that screamed. And, <laughs> <laughs> That's my demon. I grew up and on a farm. What, yeah, that's my that's my West Virginia accent. How about that? That's not bad. I I used I used to deal with I used to deal with demons. I used to deal with lambs that scream. <laughs> not the best. Also, this week we've got a very special treat. Uh a listener, a buddy of mine, uh named Darcy. He lives in Australia and he listens. He's a rise guy. He's a real rise guy. Uh, we're around the world. We're around the world. Darcy wrote a song, and the first verse is about Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter, and the second verse and the chorus is not. <laughs> what is that about, Russ? Well, you'll just have to listen to find out. So, rise guys and rise gals, please listen to this it's by my buddy Darcy. He's also in a band called Max Chillin' and the Curbside Collective. Uh, they're really good, and he's uh, a really talented dude, good friend of mine. Ah, it's like a talk so, show. And- we got a musical guest. We do. Musical guest, Darcy from Max Chillin' and the Curbside Collective. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so thanks to him, and uh, enjoy this. Good 
system bumping up your bloody nose Stumbling, stumpy, stamping and erector's toes Is this going live to tape or straight to VHS? It's all the same smokes john this was a fun one i think yeah good old time i'm in squash we perform on tuesday nights at the magnet theater i'm in the sequel we perform on friday nights first friday of the month at the magnet theater uh come and check us out hey thanks for listening yes thank you i'm in nothing Um, you're nothing ever nothing nothing (laughs) to see here keep moving (laughs) (laughs) i got a little thing on a thing but it won't be out till august Ooh, I can't wait for that. And it's very, very short. Uh, but when we get to August, we'll let you know. We will. Uh, also, please, please follow us on Twitter. We love talking to you on there, at MadAboutYouPod. And on mm-hmm. Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. we're on there as well. Facebook.com yep. slash MadAboutYouPod. And uh, on iTunes, if you haven't subscribed, uh, please do. Uh, so you don't miss any of the uh, scintillating uh, two to two and a half hour episodes we drop every week. <laughs> let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't. Let us uh, let, let, say say hi. Yes, yeah, say hi. Mm. We love it. Oh, and if you haven't, if you if you have a chance, the reviews and uh, comments on iTunes are always uh, great to see and uh, help us uh, get the word out. Absolutely. And Please I do think that. that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. I'm at Russ Fader, R-U-S-S-F-E-D-E-R on Twitter. I'm at Johnny Marbles, no H. Uh, our theme music is the best theme music. It is by John D. Ivy. Our logo is the best logo, and it is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. Thank you so much to the both of them. And the editing, which I've been meaning to credit for the last 
Oh, 10 episodes. Give I always take. forget because of muscle memory. He's a champion. He's so good. By Vuki Ivanovich. Thank you very Thank much, you. sir. Uh, um, well? We've done it. Success. <laughs> yeah. John. Yeah. My name is Russ. There we go. <laughs> I'm John Marvely. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.